Hey now, it's Mike Gilbert, host of the Mike and JD Show, right here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Join JD by God Oliva and myself every Thursday night live on the Voices of Wrestling YouTube channel at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as we stay up all night discussing all the hottest stories in professional wrestling. You can also check us out right here on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting feed or you can subscribe to the Mike and JD Show feed. Now, enjoy the show. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the flagship podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. The fucking sun sucks. I don't know what you people see in the sun. I don't know how you people do the sun. It's it's just the dirt worst. I want nothing to do with it. I'd be content never going out in the sun again. And Rich Crage. This is the dumbest show. I cannot believe it. These people pay, some people pay us $10 to listen to the show live. This is what we give them. We, for 45 we've minutes. Been doing this for 10 years. Why? We're bigger than ever. More people listen to us than ever. Than ever. Why? And we are live on the flagship podcast. I am Rich. He is Joe. Joe, what's happening? How are you? How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Happy to happy to be back. Feels like it's been a while since we did a show. We, we had a crazy little schedule there. We did a, a Tuesday show, and then, man, it's been a while since we've done these Thursday flagship. I had to get back in the rhythm. Figure out what to, well, when to eat, when to walk the dogs, when to sit down, when to wait for you. You know, all, that's, all this rhythm of a Thursday flagship is all, uh, you know, all out the window here for a bit. Missed a week. I got it back, though. We're back. We're not doing enough. You want to do them every day? I'll do them every day. Uh, every, day. <laughs> every day. No, I just meant the Thursday routine. The Thursday routine. Every day, that would be... Um, yeah, we could do it. Easily. We'd do the show every day. What would the uh, what would the schedule look like if you weren't wasting your time over there in that cubicle? <laughs> Punching that dumb clock. Yeah, that dumb clock is going to get... Yeah. Especially yeah. tomorrow. We're supposed to get a big-ass snowstorm. And it's, it's one of those days where I'm like, oh, man, this would be the day to do it, wouldn't it? But... Um, now we'll see. We'll see what happens when we wake up in the morning. But hey, what would that schedule look like? I don't know. Monday, Thursday. I I don't want to do a Tuesday one because like that. Then we'd have to talk about Raw, and I don't want to talk I'm not, about Raw. I'm not talking about Raw. I'm not talking about Raw. Like I w- I would like to. I would rather have a show that makes less sense being on a different day just to ensure that people don't expect me to ever watch and then talk about Monday Night Raw. Like it's not happening. You know. I'm I not, think I'm not sitting think, down on Monday, <laughs> turning that remote on, slap my heads together. And go, all right, Monday night raw. Here we go. Not happening. It's just not. What if, uh, what if you were able to glimpse into the future, and you knew you could make we can make double what we're making now if we did raw reviews every week, every Tuesday. 
detailed raw review. Take notes, the whole the whole fucking deal. Or we could make a third more than what we make now and never do a without ever doing a raw review. Absolutely the third. I'd rather the third for I, sure. I, I would take that too. <laughs> My life is I, way too short. I am a let me tell you something. I am a filthy fucking capitalist all the way. Okay. And I would take the third. I, I don't think I could subject my t- myself. First of all, watching Raw for three hours every week where you can't skip anything. Right. Because you got to do a review. You got to do you... the notes. You got to think about it. You got to have a take. You got to come here on a Tuesday and oh, have a take. Well, I have to have a take about, you know, uh, Maxine Dupree t- doing something. I got to have a take about that. You know what I mean? Akira Tozawa danced. We got to have a take about that. You know, right. we have to say things. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the uh, having a take on the uh, on the what well, it's not what what is that one? It's not Chase U is the NXT one. What's the Raw one with the with with uh, the fat guy and Maxine and and Tizawa oh the uh, and the uh, they're uh, what the hell's their little how are they called? I forget yeah, what their little gimmick is. Yeah, I because they were the like, you know obviously she used to be the maximum uh, the maximum male models yeah. or whatever. I, yeah. Fuck, what the hell are they called now these days? I don't even remember. Who cares? Nobody cares. Uh, yeah. Nobody listening to this knows either. I think it's. It's not. It's not Alpha Academy anymore, is it? Alpha Academy. Is it so, still Alpha? I thought they yes, got a new name. Yes. Is it still Alpha Academy? Let's no. just go with Alpha Academy. Right. So, because <laughs> wasn't that what imagine... they were called before Maxine? I thought Maxine changed it. Maybe she did. She enter. This is what I'm saying. I don't want to have these takes. Fuck it. No, no Alpha I don't Academy. Want to have these Great. Love it. Because um, we'd have to watch the show for three hours. <laughs> Otis, this talk about wretched Otis. show. It's it's impossible to watch show, which isn't ever good. Have take and have takes like. No, Rich, I disagree. I thought the Alpha Academy <laughs> segment this week was better than the Alpha Academy segment. Joe, I think you're being too week. hard on this Piper Nevin match. I believe it was actually pretty okay. You know I mean? Right, right. I think no, Caden I would... Carter's showing some real potential, Joe. Rich, you'd be back in that cubicle in a month. I would. I'd love you'd... to be in that. I would rather be in the fucking cubicle, to be honest. Yeah, if if you'd... if you'd rather say. Rich, I'm giving you an ultimatum here. You either quit that job, and we have to review Monday Night Raw, or or I'm done. This whole thing's done. The Patreon's done. It's all over. The flagship's done. <laughs> you, you're I don't taking know. it another step. You're taking it another step. You'd be willing to throw it all away to avoid reviewing Raw. If I had, if you said we have to, and a, a part of the agreement is that every single Tuesday, barring sickness or vacation or whatever, but every other Tuesday that we're available, you have to sit down and you and I are going to talk about Monday Night Raw. I think I'd rather do the cubicle. Right. Honestly. We're going we're gonna to log on at 9 a.m. and do a live show reviewing Monday Night Raw. A two-hour live show reviewing Monday Night Raw. You would rather throw I it all I think I really would. You'd, that would be tough. That would. You'd say... You'd say, Joe, I quit. Here's all the passwords. Yeah. They're all yours now. Twitter's all yours again. I, Have at it. Yep. And I would immediately delete it, by the way. Um, for, well, first I would read all the, the trash you talk about me in the DMs now that I don't have access to it. Then I would just delete it. Um, but yeah, you would you would throw it all away. I think I would. I don't know. If, if you gave me that ultimatum that we have to every single Tuesday – like you, at 9 a.m., like you said, bright and early in the morning, too. It's not even like I have all day right. Tuesday to kick nope, it around. Nope. And at like 7 p.m., maybe we'll talk about it. I'm like, oh, my God. All right, fine. I'll watch an hour here. Then I'll do this. And then I'll watch. Like you want 9 a.m., boom, which is, by the way, very early for you. Um, but, yeah. Wow, listen, <laughs> you, <laughs> you staying up all, <laughs> all the night? We could... 
you got to get up pretty early in the morning to re- to do a good Raw review. You do. You, you do. You do. Pretty early. Could I talk into a SmackDown review every week? <sighs> oh, you could. Two-hour show. Two-hour show. Two-hour two hour show is a big deal. That extra hour. Um, Can I talk into the Blue Raw? Blue Raw. Blue Raw, for, maybe. Maybe. But see, those are on Saturdays, and you got to, like, pick berries and shit. Right, so right, right. I mean, that's busy. not going to work either. You know what I mean? Like, you're out there hanging out with the bees and pulling fucking weeds out of your garden on Saturday. That you is can't. true. That would that would ruin my Saturdays. But that that's, you know what? If the if you gave me that same ultimatum that you gave me with Monday Night Raw with SmackDown, I think I would I would try it out. You gut it out. I'd gut, gut it out, out, I think. I'm not yeah. I'm, I'm a hard no on Monday Night Raw. I'm just not doing it. <laughs> you ever watch Raw after not watching it for months and oh. you're like this is fucking terrible. <laughs> last night, watch- I watched it for a minute last night. The nurse, or uh, a couple nights ago on, on, on Monday, and I forget what was going on. The nurse was doing something, and, and I was like, ah, you know what? There wasn't really any, there wasn't that many games on. I wasn't that interested in the college football thing. So I was like, ah, you know what? Raw. Let's give it a, oh my God. Give it, it a it, whirl. Oh, it was Chelsea Green and Piper Nevin versus Caden Carter and Katana Chance. And they're doing a bunch of dumb shit. Nothing looks good. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? How how bad are Caden Carter and Katana Chance? They fucking stink. Oh, they're so bad. they are the drizzling shits, the two of them. And then you'll you know, you'll, re- you'll listen to a review, and people are like, I don't know, they got pretty good potential. I don't know, these these seem like they have something with these two. And, well, oh, the the problem what? you got to have takes. problem is you no, know, well, you got to have takes. But let's be honest, the vast majority of the people reviewing wrestling are fucking terrible at it, and they don't know what they're talking about. That's the other problem. They 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 probably legitimately think that 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 those people are good at wrestling. They don't have any. They they have no frame of reference. They, they they just watched, you know, they watched Alexa Bliss and thought she was good because they're comparing Alexa Bliss to give me someone from half a generation before her. They're comparing Alexa Bliss to Ashley Massaro and they're comparing right. her to, to fight. Trish like, Stratus. They don't know. Yeah. yeah. Trish Stratus yeah, is their yeah. is their by is their through line of like women's wrestling. Right. You, you know, it's yeah. They, you know, they wouldn't know Judy Martin if she knocked on the front door. They they don't know good wrestling, these people. So yeah, you know, they of course, they think all these people cook. They don't fucking know the difference. So, you know, these are the same people that throw themselves a party because they get a fucking uh, media pass to the Royal Rumble. These are not serious people. It's it's a giant fucking clown show is what it is. Oh, so, Joe, I hate, I hate to tell you here. I hate to break the news here. We did not get approved for uh, credentials uh, oh, for this it. year's Royal yeah. Rumble. Uh, which continues a streak of uh, I don't know about eleven or twelve years of us not getting credentials to any WWE uh, things. Well, we don't, we, we don't we try. Don't For the record, we don't try. But you know they don't uh, they don't reach out either. Um, so well, here's here's the thing. It's you don't even need to be there to cover it. You, you know what I mean? You can cover it. This isn't like you know going to a covering a baseball game. Like you can cover the event better from your couch. Like that's the thing. What these people are celebrating, let's be honest, these are these are not serious people. It's none of their full-time jobs. This is like a, they all have their little micro pods and their that they do on the side or, you know, or they write about wrestling for, you know, and it's like it's not their job though. You know, it's it's their their hobbyists, you know, they like to call themselves content they're creators. creators. They're content creators, right? Yeah. So what they're celebrating really is that they're getting a free ticket to the Royal Rumble and what amounts to a backstage pass 
to the little fake press conference with Triple H, where when he enters the room, they'll all stand up and clap, right? They'll they'll clap and then, you know, they'll ask him hard hitting questions like, "Ah, Triple H, great show, great show. How, how did it feel to put on such a great show?" Like, you know, if what are, what if are the challenges of booking on. a Royal Rumble? What are the challenges right. of booking? And, uh, yeah, you know, there's a lot of you know, it's it's a, a lot of moving parts in a in a match like this, and uh, it's like, yeah. If, if they even get called, yeah, on. if they get called, then, on, which they probably then will not. one of the then one of the match winners will come in and they'll ask some kayfabe question. Oh, well, oh, now that you've won the Intercontinental Title, what's next for you? What would you like to do next? Which tells you they don't know what to ask because that's a question. They're asking a kayfabe question, and it's something no one cares about. Like even if it wasn't a kayfabe question, you know, and and it, it's just. It, um, it, it basically what it is is a free ticket and a backstage pass, which they still have to pay their own way to get there, put up their own hotel uh, for, you know, 99% of them anyway. You know, 1% of them might be real outlets that are paying for this stuff. And then they end up taking a net loss anyway. But what they get to do is tweet out that uh, that they're going to the Royal Rumble to, you know, their 1,300 followers that they have on Twitter. And, you know, and, and to them, you know, that's... It, it, it's a big deal in their little world, I guess. That's all, you know, and, and it, they'll tell you that they're not reporters. They'll tell you that they're not journalists. They'll tell you that they're content creators. Here's the other thing about that. What fucking content are these people creating by being at the Royal Rumble, right? Like when a real reporter goes to a sports event to cover it, they sit in the press box, they cover the game. They get in the locker room. They talk to the athletes. They talk to the coaches. They they that might lead to writing a column. Right. They'll file. They'll file a report. They'll follow a column. They'll they'll do. You get sure. something out of that. Or it might or lead you to get something an interview with segment. Some insight. Right. Or but you yeah. get something posted on on a social or a YouTube or whatever. An inter- a, 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 a mostly somewhat exclusive interview with a player or a coach or whatever. There's something insightful. Yeah. Some kind of legitimate work is being done. Uh, for for the fan of the sport or fans of the teams, what is this? Con- these people claim they're content creators, and then they go to these shows. And believe me, I've been to the shows with these people. Okay, so it's not like I'm speaking out of school here. Okay, I've been to these things. Uh, I do this. Okay, what content do these people create when they go to the Royal Rumble? They're going to live tweet the show. Mm-hmm. Okay, which by the way, what can, you can do that from your couch. You don't need to be there for that. You can do a better job of it from your couch, by the way. Then you're better, better, go to better your... Wi-Fi, better Wi-Fi from your couch too. As, as somebody who yeah. has tried to go to shows and do that, not not necessarily WWE shows, but AEW shows and some other shows uh, throughout the years, much harder to just do it from the show because either your phone's not getting any signal, or you had to do it on your phone, or you you try to open up your laptop and you can't connect to the Wi-Fi, and it's like fuck this, this is stupid. What am I doing here? I'd rather just, be just at home. do it from their, they're going to do it from their phone, like they do it from their couch. Then they're going to go to the little fake press conference and probably not get called on. No, they'll film okay? it though. They'll film it though. Like everybody else. And there's like, yeah, there's like four people who will get called on. And if they do get called on, they're going to ask the most vapid waste of time in kayfabe question. And they'll defend it by saying, oh, well, everybody's outlets looking for something different. And, and, uh, you know, but there's no defense for kayfabe questions. If you're asking kayfabe questions at these things, that means you're part of the show. And let me be as clear as possible. That means you're a fucking clown. You're a clown. If you go in there and ask a kayfabe question, I don't care who you're working for. You're a fucking clown. Okay. And then they're going to fly home at a net loss because they had to pay to fucking fly out there and pay for their hotel room. But they got their free ticket and they got their little backstage pass. And now 
where's all this great content? Do you do you ever see any of this great content that gets created by these content creators? I never what do. is it? No, I, I, I what see. What do they do? I see six thousand YouTube do. shorts of the same five clips over and over and over again. Just just uh, numerous people from different angles. Uh, you know, posting a YouTube video or an Instagram reel of a of a uh, an answer from one of the press conferences or the media scrum or whatever, and that's it. And, that, and that's essentially all this. So I don't know. And, and by the way, the the, the the little Triple H fake press conference is on Peacock. Like, we don't even need you to cover that. We <laughs> right. can watch that right. too. And we do. Every time we're doing these <laughs> instant reactions, we're watching it. We can watch that too. Like, you 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 genuinely serve no purpose. What what's happening here? is all of these people are useful idiots. They get their free ticket from the WWE. They know that these people are fucking marks that are going to then fly out there and go to the show and be tissue soft in their coverage and tell you that Katana Chance and what's the other one's name? Caden Carter. Katana Chance and Caden Carter are a great tag team. And... If they do get called on in the presser, they're gonna they're gonna be nervous and stutter out some kayfabe question because they want to be invited back for WrestleMania and whatever other show they, they, they that they want to go to and take a net loss on to quote create content and none of them are creating anything useful that anybody cares about and and, and that's the thing if you're a content creator tell show me what you're creating what are these people. With the amount of people that were talking about how they're going to the Royal Rumble and and how they're content creators and all this and like okay, I can't wait to see all of this great content that gets created. What 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 content is going to come out of this? <laughs> the same content that comes out of all these shows. Nothing. Nothing. They're going to go back to their micro pods and and talk about how they they went to the Royal Rumble and and okay, we all watched it on Peacock too. Okay. These people don't do anything, you know? So, I mean, all right. It, great. Go enjoy yourself. Right. Go Take your free ticket. WWE, it meals. makes all the sense in the world why WWE yeah. invites people. It's free publicity, yes, basically. Idiots. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and they'll get enough publicity and enough enough positive, you know, uh, uh, backpats and, and whatnot that, yeah, it, 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 and it costs and, them and, absolutely and, nothing. They shove you into a press box and you're good to go or, or, or give you a seat up in the highest, 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 highest level and, and it costs them absolutely nothing for, for that seat. So good for them. Triple H has never been asked an uncomfortable question in one of these things. Not one time. Still Not waiting for someone time. to ask what his, uh, what his wife's doing with her, uh, her life now that she's left the only job she ever had. Yeah, one of these days. Or why he voted Vince McMahon off the board and then unanimous, unanimously voted to bring him back mm-hmm. two months later after the allegations came out. Mm-hmm. I, no one is no one <laughs> yet to be asked an uncomfortable question by any of these people because they're there creating content, Rich. That's the thing. That's you, not you yeah, that's to, not content, you, Joe. That's that's salacious. That's it's not I don't the time know. nor the place, Joe. They're creating content. They don't have time to create useful content like get to the bottom of some stories that no 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 they're, they're creating content i don't know what content they're creating i don't see any of this content, content. it's content it's what, what the it's, same route it's what the modern idea of content is it's just fucking bandwidth wasting shit Tell you know what me i mean something like something tangible what content is being created you don't a youtube short a youtube no. short that of what of 19 people sending the same answer of a guy you know like what was the one that when Cody and Jay were, were drunk at that one press conference. And 
900 different YouTube accounts had the exact same clip of them drunk, but from a different angle. Someone was a little bit to the left. Someone was a little bit to the right of that. Someone was a little bit to the right of that. That's the content. I, I don't even understand what you're saying. How, <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what tangible content is being created? Um, you know, and then these people talk like they're, they're, they're Woodward and Bernstein. They're like, ah, this is another great step in my career. I, I've worked so hard for this. What have you done? Like, what have you done? <laughs> Joe, where do you think you're look, going? Look, 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 like, look. You're jealous. You're clearly jealous, and it's fine. And that's and and a lot of people called you out on that and called us out on that this week. Did. Where because uh, there was obviously people were, were kind of like, yeah, that's kind of weird that everyone's you know has the exact same tweet. Right we didn't now. say no. I, we didn't say anything. But the idea was anybody who has anything to say about this is just jealous that they didn't get a free ticket to Royal Rumble 2024 at Tropicana Field in lovely Tampa, sorry, St. Petersburg, well, Florida. Yeah. We've, we've, we've been to these things. I, we're jealous. I don't know. That's what, that's what I was told. I don't, I don't, I don't want to fly to fucking Tampa. <laughs> I definitely I don't, don't, I don't want know. to go to Tampa. No, <laughs> I've been to Tropicana Field, baby. I'm uh, I'm good. I think I don't, I don't need to go to Tropicana Field anymore for, for a Rays game, for a devil Rays back in the devil Rays days, baby. That was Here's uh, the thing though. I, a... I, I don't, I don't okay in this specific instance the reason I wouldn't want to go there is the only thing useful to me by going there would be to be able to ask Triple H some questions don't think and he's calling on you I don't think Paul Levesque is calling and on what you. are the uh, no, that's the thing what are the odds you're going to get called on and is that worth the expenditure you, you see what I'm saying like it's not it's not absolutely not it's not like there's no guarantee you're you're going to get called on I've been on, we've been on how dozens and dozens of these media calls. We, we've we gotten um, uh, press passes to shows and been to shows. And just because of the nature of pro wrestling, you, you know, you're, you're not really getting additional access that's someone on their couch isn't getting right. The, the locker it, room is not open. That's for people that have never been is not open for people have never been in a, in a sports locker room or whatever. And, and I only did it at the high school level. So it wasn't as, as open for me, but I did do some college stuff as well. And when I did college door was open to the locker room and you could just go and talk to the players, talk to the coaches. Like a lot of people went to the, you know, the star player or a lot of people would go to the coach or whatever. Sometimes I would go to the assistant coach. I'd go to some of the other players because instead of just sitting there and, 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 and being with four or five other, you know, which is essentially what these WWE press conferences are, is they give you Triple H. They give you Kevin Owens. They give you Cody. You know what I mean? They give you tippy, tippy top and guys. They, they, you, get, you get Rhea Ripley sitting there in character. Right, right, right. And you don't have the ability to say, you know what? No, I have an actually an interesting question for X, Y, you know, whoever. Like you, you, well, here's the thing. You do. But what are what are the? It's like playing the lottery. What are the odds you're going to get called on? Well, I mean, like if you were in an empty, then, if you were in an empty, if they opened the doors to the locker room and said, "All right, guys, there you right. go. There, the press press time has begun. Doors open to the locker room, and you have a chance to walk over to anybody in that entire locker room and 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 talk to them about something. And if you're somebody that's Texas based, maybe you want to go and talk to a wrestler about their history in in Texas or, or something. You know what I mean? Like, there's different ways that you can approach that, and that's how you know sports beat writers will will tend to approach 
different things. They'll talk about, they'll talk to a star player about something that's going on, but sometimes they'll talk to a secondary guy, a guy on the end of the bench, the guy that only got a couple minutes. Like there's a lot of different things you can ask to different people when you have the entire locker room at, at your disposal and, and specific questions that you would ask in a one-to-one conversation, or you're sitting down with one or two other reporters or whatever, a whole different animal. And then here are four handpicked people. Now here's a sea of people in this room and we're going to point to a couple of you and then we're going to, I mean, that, that would be, that would be bad too for for you know sports media as well if it was the same thing and and sometimes that does happen with larger press conferences obviously that that does happen but by and large your 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 day to day after game you know reporters or whatever are basically able to go into the locker room and talk to whoever they want to talk to. Well, here here's the thing. Here's here's what it comes down to. I want people to think about this. Why do you think people like Dave Meltzer? Mike Johnson, Brandon Thurston, the guys from Post, um, Sean Ross Sapp. Why do you think these people aren't at every single one of these for AEW and WWE? Why do you think those sorts of people and also non-wrestling legitimate news outlets? Like there was a some USA Today reporter at the last AEW one and that was asking – Jericho related questions. Why do you think these people aren't at every one of these? Because there's no value to being at these things. There's it's not cost effective for PW insider to fly Mike Johnson around the country once a month or for Dave Meltzer to fly himself around the country and put himself in a hotel to cover these shows. Dave says it all the time. He says one of the big reasons he doesn't go to WrestleMania is he, it's harder to cover when you're there. Yeah. He's like, it's, it's harder and it's, it makes it harder to do my job when I'm there live. So I don't like going live. Remember when WrestleMania was in San Francisco, Dave was like conflicted. It's a 10 minute drive, but he's like, it's hard. I'm going to have to go home and watch the show again because I can't cover it properly. Right, You can't focus live. as much when they're live. Mm-hmm. You, you tend to get lost in a little bit of the crowd reaction or you just get lost in everything. You hear the commentary yeah. and right. you don't, you don't see how to, you know, the backstage stuff is harder to, you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, anyone who tells you that they're going to these things <clears throat> because they need to create content and they're there to cover the show. I mean, it's nonsense. It's utter nonsense. They're there to get their free ticket. And there's, you know, and I guess, I guess there's nothing wrong with that. No, no, no. But they're, let's they're really be, not. But let's be, but let's be honest about what's happening. Right, call here. a spade a spade. They're there, yeah, they're there to network with each other. Okay, that you know, half of them admitted it when they got. I noticed when they were getting pressed on it on on Twitter, uh, a lot of them were spinning it to, oh well, you know, I'm uh, the reason I'm telling everybody that I'm going is so I could coordinate with my friends, and I've already set up a bunch of dinner plans. Well, okay, well. I mean, and that's okay too. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, you know, a get together with your internet friends because you're all going to be in the same city for the same wrestling show. But don't try to sell me on that. I mean, here's what it is. Let's let's call it what it is. You're bragging because you think you're a hot shot because you got a free ticket to the Royal Rumble and you want to tell you want to show that to everybody. You're not sending that out to coordinate with friends. Why would why would you do that instead of sending something to your group chat? Or, or sending out a text message. Why are you going to send out a text that's going to go to thousands of extra people who don't need to see it? You know, you know what I mean? It's, it's nonsense. You're flexing. Just say you're flexing. Just say you're flexing. And, and, and don't, 
shroud this in the idea that you're going there to create all this great content. You're not. You're not. You're, you're, they're, they're bringing you there because they know you're going to kiss kiss their ass and be tissue soft and be nice to them because you want to go to all these things now. That That's what it is. So just say it. Because I'm not seeing all this great content that's being produced by these alleged content creators. I, I don't know. Maybe someone can fill me in on what all this great content is that's being produced. This insightful, fantastic content. Right. Link us. Link us after the Rumble. Link us after the Rumble. Because you know what? I'll, I'll say, Joe, uh, Instant Reaction Live, immediately after the Royal Rumble, we're doing that this year. Um, that's good content. That is people creating content, baby. We're going to go two and a half to three hours <laughs> to a bunch of insane breakdown of everything that happens like that that's that's a big reason why people you know will say hey well you know you guys say all the shit about the press conferences but you don't you know when they're in chicago you don't really try to go anymore and i don't really try to go because i'd rather just come home and do the instant reaction live to be honest because i I'm think that tell you why has a way more value that makes more money that's <laughs> right. where the value is for right. us the thing that makes me more money than anything tell people what makes us more money than anything instant right? reaction go live. ahead and tell them instant reaction instant live. reaction live produces more subscribers than anything if I, when AEW pay-per-views come to Texas, if I were to go to the shows in Texas, I would lose money because then I can't do the instant reaction live. Rich can do some of them in Chicago because then he can make it back to the house in a reasonable right. time. I race back. I find an ambulance to go behind so I can come back in enough time. I text you halfway. Oh, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. You're always like, calm down. It's all right. It's all right. But yeah, I, I rush home. You know, the last bell happens on the main event. I get up. I I start walking towards the entrance, make sure nothing's going to happen. And then the second that I know the show is over, I'm racing out and, and, and I park in a special spot to make sure I get out just so I can get home in enough time to do it. Because, yeah, that's where the value is for, for, for me. So, yeah, it's it's like, you know, I, I, I do understand people are like, oh, you guys are, are kind of hypocrites because, you know, Rich has an opportunity to go to those. Well, I do, but I don't really care to go to them because I, mean, I don't think there's that much value in them because I think we now know what the no score is. There's no value in it. Yeah. yeah it, you know, there's no value in it. And then we 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 were on all the calls and never got called on. What do you want me to do? And then they and then they didn't want us on the calls anymore for whatever reason. Never asked. Don't know. Don't care. But we were on every call for what four years? Yeah, from day one How until the company existed? yeah day day one until well hell, I was there for the all in <laughs> press conference. I was there for you I'm know on, before, yeah you were there in, in person before and it even happened. Like, yeah, uh, so yeah, and, about four years. Yeah, and I've been on any call that we've ever gotten an invite to impact any other company new japan so um you know there's just no value that, which is why back to my point the, the 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 serious people who are there to really do a job and really create something they don't even go to these things once in a blue moon they go if it's near where they live or they're going to be in town or it's especially big show um you know, they don't go because there's no there's no return on that investment because you're really not getting access. You're getting what amounts to a little backs, especially with WWE, especially with those. You know, they, they trot the wrestlers out there in character. What is anyone getting out of that? 
Nothing. Content. You're getting nothing out of that. You're getting content. What though. content? I still don't <laughs> understand. You're getting Rhea Ripley saying something, and, and then you posting on YouTube, mommy talks about milk or something like that. <laughs> you know, a hundred people right. have the same fucking mommy talks about milk video uh, up on YouTube shorts, and a couple of them, you know, pop up on, on TikTok, and then, yeah, that, that's the content they create, is, is, is mommy says something that's oddly uh, uh, tangentially sexual, and then uh, it gets posted everywhere. That's the content. Well, here's the thing. Even if you do get some good content, one of your one of these fellow people that are one of these uh, parasites there are going to aggregate it on you anyway. Yeah. So, you know, that that's <laughs> it's all a fucking cesspool. These parasitic aggregators, you know, and it's it's like and that's what they are, by the way. Listen, I've been waiting to unleash this. Start tugging your. I guess we're doing it. <laughs> I guess we're going. Look. I, you know, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go after anybody. It's just the idea of aggregation, and you know, we've been doing this for 12 years now, and and I, I don't have any respect for it. I I just don't. And and it's it's not just wrestling. You see it outside of wrestling too. But you know what we do is wrestling, and I you know, and and we all know there's a lot of people who have gotten who have literally gotten rich off of aggregation. And, you know, I get it. That's what makes money. I, I, I totally understand that. Um, but I don't respect it and I don't have to respect it. And, you know, it, 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 let me explain to people how aggregation works, first of all, because there's a lot of people out there who will defend it. And there's a lot of people who claim that they do it responsibly and ethically and they're good at it and all this. And it's like it's a it's it, it's it's a parasitic relationship is what it is. Okay, here's what these aggregators do. They spend their day combing the internet for news that other people have broken and content that other people have created. And then they benefit off of it by taking that news that someone else broke or content that someone else created and then turning it into an article for their site. And the idea being, oh, as long as we throw a little link in there and let everybody know where it came from, my hands are clean. And that's why it's a parasitic relationship. Aggregators are parasites. You're taking someone else's work and you're benefiting from it, doing very little work of your own. And this idea that there's good aggregators and their shit aggregators is completely false. There's absolutely shitty aggregators. The ones that will not credit or link or do anything. They're just total piece. They're just useless. They're total pieces of shit. Those are content thieves is what they are. Okay. So I agree that there's bad aggregators. There is no such thing as being great at aggregation or being a good aggregator. That does not exist. You can be terrible at it. Or you can do the bare minimum and be competent at it. That's it. I was sweeping my kitchen floor earlier today. Okay? Sometimes the kids will say they want to help sweep the kitchen floor. So I'll give the six-year-old the broom. And the six-year-old is terrible at sweeping the floor. When the six-year-old is done sweeping the floor, it's usually worse than when it started. Right? And then I got to take the broom and come in and, and do the job properly. The six-year-old is terrible at sweeping. I'm competent at it. 
No one on this earth is great at sweeping a floor. You know why? Because it's just sweeping a floor. You can't be great at that. It's a menial, easy job that anyone could be taught to do at a competent level. That's what aggregators are. You can't be great at that. You can only be competent at it by putting in the little credit and putting in the little link, which you then benefit from almost entirely. Because let me tell you something else about how it works, okay? The aggregator comes in and aggregates your story. They put out a tweet with your story that they have aggregated. The aggregator will tell you, oh, hold on a second. I'm doing you a favor. I'm giving you exposure. Now your story's reaching more eyeballs because I, the aggregator, I'm helping you. It's bullshit. They'll put out their tweet. Let's say, I don't know, random site, post-wrestling aggregates something that you do. Okay. How many followers they have on Twitter? 9,000 or something like that. They're not a tiny site, but they're also not a massive Twitter account that has millions of followers. They have like 10,000 followers. Let's call it 10,000. While Rich frantically looks it up. Okay? It's somewhere between eight and seven. So, I, I don't, I'm not opening up Twitter for God's sake. Let's say, call it 10,000. Let's say 10K. So, send 10K. So they aggregate your story. Same as us. About the same as us. They tweet it out to their 10,000 followers. Okay. How many impressions is that tweet going to get? Give me a number, Rich. You can even estimate high. Uh, these days, shit. These days, I don't know, 1,000 to 3,000 probably max that okay. you're looking at. So let's say it gets 5,000 impressions. Okay? We'll estimate high. All right? How many of those 5,000 impressions are actually people who read the fucking tweet and didn't just scroll past it as they're mindlessly scrolling through their Probably feed? a very small percentage. But let's go high. Let's say 50% of them. Is, is that a high that's estimate? Probably, that's probably pretty high. Between? Yeah, I was going to say high would be like 40, but yeah, let's go 50. Go 50. Why not? So let's say 2,500 people out of those 5,000 impressions read the tweet. Now, how many of those 2,500 people are compelled enough by the headline, where, by the way, they usually give away the lead, so there's no need to click, will then click through to the article, estimating high. A fraction oh, of now, those. Oh, now, especially when okay, on, on X, numbers formerly anymore. known as Twitter, very small. <laughs> I'll tell you yeah, that. That, know, that was like, very we, small in any era of, of Twitter. It's increasingly small in these days of Twitter. Here's the thing. We actually know the statistics. And if we <laughs> told not you, good. <laughs> you wouldn't even believe us how low it is. A tiny fraction of those 2,500 people are now clicking the article. Okay? Now a tiny fraction of those people are now reading through the article in its entirety and getting to the very bottom of the article where it's set, where you get your little hat tip where it says, this is from voices of wrestling. Here's their link. If you're lucky enough to get a link, but since we're talking about post, yeah, you'll get a link. They're competent. Right. They, 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 they do it. They do it the right way in, in, in a lot of ways. They're a lot of places tip. now will not even link back. Or what? They, or the classic would be parentheses hat tip to the aggregator who aggregated it initially, and now you are re-aggregating the aggregator's original thing, because that used to happen yeah. a lot as well. It would be like hat tip wrestlingnews.co for the transcription or whatever, and it's like, wait, wait, hold on a minute. You're not even doing what? any of the work. What? Let's not even, let's not even get into sub-aggregation. <laughs> like, <okay>? What? <laughs> 
We're just dealing with direct aggregation. Right, but then the link to those guys. I'm like, fuck off. That's one more step that no one's going to take to 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 be. Oh well, now oh yeah. hat tip to WrestlingNews.co or whatever. You know, just throwing out a random site yeah, that yeah, yeah. for the transcription or whatever with a link to WrestlingNews.co's link to our transcript. I'm like, fuck off. No yeah, way. Yeah. So, is... but 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 let's not even complicate. <laughs> right. Right. So so in this analogy, post is me sweeping the floor. They're competent but it's still just sweeping a fucking floor. Okay. Uh, so, so you'll get your, 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 your credit and you'll get your link. Okay. A f- now a fraction of a percentage of those people who managed to get to the link will actually click the voices of wrestling link to go see the original work. Right. And then a fraction of a percentage of those people, Rich, we're down to single. Yeah, we're we're we're, we're we're splitting atoms at this point. We are splitting atoms. And if, and if and if you think I'm exaggerating, we've been doing this for how long? I got numbers. <laughs> I got receipts. Okay. So a fraction, a tiny percentage of those people who actually click your link to read the original work will then become regular readers or regular listeners of that original work. The number is statistically insignificant. Trust me. Trust me. I have the numbers. That's what aggregation is. So when these aggregators sit here and tell you they're doing you a favor, they're full of shit. It is a completely one-sided relationship. one sided parasitic relationship so when these aggregators get all up in their feelings and tell you that's the last time i'll aggregate you my answer is thank you i never wanted to be aggregated in the first place because it kind of makes me sick that you're benefiting off of my work off of what i produce because that's what aggregators do and they wrap it up in a package like they're doing you some kind of favor. Okay? They are not. You get almost nothing out of aggregation. Now, if Justin Bieber or uh, who's the one dating Kelsey or uh, uh, <laughs> Taylor Swift. I like how. Or Taylor <laughs> Swift. Like who is the one dating Travis Kelsey? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the name escapes now, me. If, What's her name? Oh, yeah. Taylor Swift. Right, right. Now, if they want to throw me a retweet, oh, I'm not going to argue. Yes. Taylor, okay. please. Because now those micro numbers might go, be 100 people. Yeah, Taylor Swift has uh, 94.9 million followers. So, yeah, if she wants to yeah. throw a retweet on uh, on the Instant Reaction Live, that would be okay with me. That's fine. Would appreciate okay. it, actually. And, and the other thing these people will tell you, and I saw this defense, oh, well, everybody aggregates. Oh. I know, I know someone who doesn't. You want to tell them who, Rich? Uh, VoicesOfWrestling.com. Does not, will not, and never will. Anything. No. Ever. No. Have we ever aggregated a story ever? Not one once. Time? One not time. Once. Will we ever aggregate a story ever one time? Uh, not as long as I'm running the website. I'll tell you that. And, and listen, don't say everyone. Don't say everyone. Everyone does not aggregate. That's not true. That's not true. I'll gladly make less money. I don't want that money. I couldn't sleep making that money, to be completely honest with you. It's gross. It's parasitic. It's parasitic. I have no interest in it. I don't need your aggregation. I don't want your aggregation. 
I'll do just fine. I don't need you making money off my work. So it's all this. But for God's sake, if you're going to do it, and we know you are, we know they're all going to do it. I don't think it's out of line to play by the person who creates the works rules. And I know the response to that would be, that's never how it's worked. Well, maybe it should. Maybe it should. Maybe if someone does a podcast that you find newsworthy enough to aggregate for your benefit, because let's make, I just made that clear. Don't act like it's for my benefit. It's for your benefit. Almost entirely. Okay? The least you can do. The very least. And I mean the very least. Is when that person politely. Politely. And apologizes to Joel if he didn't want this Band-Aid ripped open again. I apologize. I was going to say, you're, you're just talking in hypotheticals here. <laughs> but, but then but now it, you've... Now you're, right. yeah, totally right. hypothetical situation. <laughs> right, completely hypothetical. That person... If you had very, a podcast, let's say, yeah. and, and you did not like the way that you were being aggregated, if you then politely, the host and, of that podcast... politely said, I would, I would like an at or a link in your tweet, please. Politely as possible. Hypothetically. No snark. No snark. Please and thank you. I'd appreciate an at or a link. And your response is to ignore them. How am I the asshole here? How am I the asshole? Then, if I hypothetically tried to contact the person who owns the site privately and didn't like the way they responded to me, and their solution was to take down the tweet, which is fine, by the way. Please do. You know, I, Joel didn't escalate it. He said one thing. He made one tweet publicly. Joel, hypothetically. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hypothetically, this person didn't escalate it. <laughs> Let's call him they Joel. Politely, Let's just, I'm just going to throw a name out there, Joel. Let's they, call they, polite, they politely asked for an at or a link. That's all they did. That's all they did. That's it. I, I don't understand. And the, and if the response is, oh, well, that's that will that we can't do that because it will throttle our engagement and our hits. That's not my fucking problem. That's a you problem. Parasite. All right, take it up with Elon, if anything. <laughs> You're, yeah. Take that up with Elon. You're the parasite in the relationship. And I don't even mean parasite is a slight. This is scientific. There's a parasite and a host. And in this relationship. You're not the host. Your, your hits, your clicks, your engagement being throttled is not my fucking problem. And I don't want to hear about how it's always been done. Maybe it shouldn't be. Because you're not doing us the favor. We're doing you the favor. Because we're the ones producing the content you feel is newsworthy that you are then using to your advantage. I don't think it's out of line to politely ask to play by our rules. That's all. That's all. If someone disagrees, all right, go fuck your ass. I don't care. That's how I stand on it. I don't think it's out of line to ask to play by our rules, especially if it's polite. And 
in this hypothetical scenario, it wasn't anyone from our side who escalated the situation. It, it wasn't anyone from our side who resorted to ad hominem attacks, calling people cockroaches and little boys and stupid little boys. What us. What us. It was the site that everyone thinks is the bastion of professional uh, behavior. That's who it was. Okay? That's all. Carry on with your aggregation. Leave us alone. I feel like I could speak for Rich and everyone else. I don't want to be aggregated. You know why? Because this is always what it leads to. A fucking headache. Even with the ones that are competent floor sweepers. It's a headache. Right. And, and the bad ones, a lot of times what will happen is, is misquoting and not listening to what we said right or getting it third hand or fourth hand or whatever. And, and, and that's what happens when it's the, when it's the shitty aggregate. Right. Is now I have to spend half a day or a day and a half or 20 minutes on my show clarifying my own words that someone else fucked up. Uh, three years, that it actually. Wasn't even my we're, we're still, we're still, people are still on you and us yeah, and whatever to, yeah, for, about yeah, Will Ospreay yeah, going to NXT, certain... which was never said. <laughs> the opposite yeah. was said. The literal opposite was Perfect said. Example. But still three years to the day or, or whatever it was, roughly three years. Um... I, I wrote a news article that is still up behind our paywall debunking that Will Ospreay was going to NXT UK, which he never, which he didn't, obviously, by the way. My article debunked it. Sourced. I did the work. And because of bad aggregation, there are people to this day, as Rich said, who think that we reported that Will Ospreay was going to NXT UK. And that will follow us forever. Right. Anything that, everything that gets reported now is, oh, these guys don't know shit. They said Will Ospreay was going to NXT. Correct. And that's one example. Mm -hmm. I could give you more. I'm mm -hmm. not going to do it. But there's so many more. I, I So I don't have any respect for aggregation. I just don't. You know, I, I don't. That's all. Anything to add, Rich? I got nothing else. You said it there. Nice nice hypothetical situation I, you listen, uh, laid out there. I'm, hap I'm, I'm more than happy. You know, I know how, you know, it's like, we want to be the, the redheaded stepchildren and the, the uncouth corner of the wrestling media. That's fine. I, I, I leave us alone. Don't, don't aggregate us. Okay. I, I'm not interested in it, but I'm not going to sit here and, and you can't sit here and tell me anything I said was out of line. Don't, don't fall for this bullshit that aggregators pedal that they're doing some service or they're in the right. Or they're helpful. It's all for their benefit. It's a parasitic relationship to their benefit, not anyone else's. And I know it's hard to avoid. And let me say something else. Rich, I don't follow news. I don't follow politics. I don't, but I do follow sports. Okay. And one sport I follow very closely, as people know, is baseball. And right now it is free agent season. In baseball, as you know. And you can answer this, so I'll just ask you. Anytime a free agent signs and one of the baseball writers on Twitter break it, what do every single one of the other baseball writers do? You you tell the people. It, so it, it doesn't just sound like it's me doing it. Yeah, they'll usually when, say, da 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 blank had it first. Robinson, with an at. Yeah, you know, at Robinson, you know, the hat, you know. 
Uh, Juan Soto signs, you know, new year. I think that just happened, you know, an hour ago or whatever. He signed a one year, thirty one million. Rosenthal yeah, Rosenthal had it first, right? At Bob Nightingale, at whoever the fuck had it first, mm-hmm. and their outlet. But these wrestling sites will tell you that that's impossible to do. Oh, I can't do that. That's going to throttle our. No, it's going to throttle their engagement. That's going to throttle my engagement. Well, yeah, you're you're saying the quiet part out loud, <laughs> right? You're saying the quiet part out loud. Because when I when I follow sports, which is like the only thing I follow on Twitter, anyone who aggregates or does this, even that dopey Dove Kleinman NFL guy, who's like a big guy, with <laughs> yeah, him, that guy sucks. He he, but he credits every time. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> when he's got it right, we're in trouble. <laughs> he credits every fucking time. I'll have to see if Rex Chapman, uh, NBA guy, if he credits people or not. And I'll tell you, there's some there, there's some wrestling places getting better at it that that will at people every tweet. There's some that are getting better at it. One of them is one of the is one of Rich's enemies and banes of his existence. So I don't want to put them over. <laughs> Rich, Rich, I gotta tell you, I gotta call it like I see it. Wrestle Purist is doing a much better job with that. I'm glad. Hopefully, they've learned. They're putting ads in every single tweet. I'm glad they weren't before. They're putting links and everything. I don't they know weren't about before. This. I don't go to their site. Yeah, they weren't before. I know they weren't before, and I know that annoys you. I get it. But but you know I you know if at Good least if you're going to aggregate, you do it do it in especially just do it in the fucking tweet. That's all. If someone asks nicely, so that's uh that's my stance on aggregation. I I don't know. I've been. That, I've been that thinking about been, this yeah, one that, that's been weeks. percolating for a while now, so I'm glad you got it out. I'm glad you, uh, uh, Mount Lanza erupted there so we could uh, get it out of the way. You, you've been trying to do it for two weeks now, and I'm glad we uh, got that hypothetical situation out there. So there you go. Nothing good. You know what you should just do? Delete Twitter. It's honestly not a bad. It's the first good step to do. But, uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully well, things or, improve or, or, in I 2024. Mean, but uh, eh, probably what not. What these sites could do is produce quality content that that's going to earn the money instead of having to aggregate. How about that? I don't know. It used to be the way. I mean, how when we started, that's what I, it was. You know, 12 years ago, that's I I my goal here with with with, with what I wanted with Voices of Wrestling to be and and it seems kind of silly now given, you know, how, what directions it's gone, but um Grantland had the mass man who was writing at Grantland, which I thought was kind of cool that he was writing these long form pieces about not not necessarily reviewing matches not necessarily reviewing shows but these long-form pieces talking about the history of wrestling and things that were going on in wrestling or whatever and obviously he's taken a very different path over over the last couple years and and even the stuff that he was writing at that time wasn't you know great but it was i thought it was okay i thought it was decent stuff i just like that an outlet was doing that and being creative about it and, and and breaking the mold of results and match reviews, which is what everybody else was doing at that time. And I said, I think we can do this better. I think there's something we can do a little bit better. And even if it was a review of a show, people were just giving you the, the moves. You know what I mean? Here's what happened. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. All right, there you go. This guy beat this guy. And here's what happened. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. So part of me enjoyed the fact that, hey, you know, let's get creative about this. Let's let's write, you know, the, the initial idea of the website was podcasts with people talking about why they love pro wrestling. That, that was all it was, why you love pro wrestling. That evolved into let's write about things going on in pro wrestling, not necessarily why you love it, but, you know, let's let's do big picture stuff about pro wrestling. Let's not just feel like we need to report news or or, or talk about 
whatever the, the, the most salacious thing is at the time, you know, well, what are you passionate about? That's why I tell every single person that ever wants to write for the website. They always say, well, what, what do you want me to cover or what should I cover? And I say, I don't want to tell you anything. I, my goal is I'm never going to assign you or, or do – I don't want to assign you a, something. I don't want to say you, person, write about this because that sucks. I've been in that position, and that sucks, and that's not fun, and that's not – there's no creative juice to that. My goal for everybody that contributes to the website is what are you passionate about? That's it. That's, that's all I tell people. If you're passionate about something, write about it. If you're passionate about a certain match, write about it. If you're passionate about a certain show, write about it. If you're passionate about a certain promotion, write about it. That's what it all is, and that's what produces stuff like the Masachi Mochizuki piece that Case Low put up this week, which is one of the best things we've ever done on this entire website. Everybody, by the way, go and read that right now. We're doing a, a Dragon Gate 25th anniversary thing because it is the 25th anniversary of Dragon Gate. Uh, this year. So obviously Mike Spears and, and, and Case Lowe from Open the Voice Gate are, are spearheading a project about this. And Case wrote an unbelievable piece about the entire career of Mochizuki. And it's great. It goes through every aspect of his career, every bit of his career, highlights great matches. There's links to great matches. It's just an incredible piece. of That's what I want to do because nobody else is doing that. That's content. You know what I mean? That's creating fucking great content. Kevin Hare's piece a couple of weeks ago uh, about, uh, uh, about Eddie Kingston. That's passion. That's content. That's the shit that I want our site to be known about. That's the stuff that I want Voices of Wrestling to be known about. J. Michael, you said J. Michael. Nobody writes like about wrestling like J. Michael writes about wrestling, and I love that. He'll send me, and it's 50,000 words about El Desperado, and I'm like, great, love it. You know what I mean? And he gets into, well, his mask was like this on this match, and that meant this. Great. You know what? You're fucking passionate about it. I don't care if it gets 10,000 views or 1,000 views. You're passionate about it. You want to write about it. Go for it. That's the shit that we're doing that nobody else is doing anymore. And that's sad. And that sucks. But I guess the good thing is that there's no one else doing it. So if you want passionate, well thought out, you know, intelligent shit about wrestling, I guess you got to come here. You got to come to voicesofwrestling.com. Yeah, we'll let you look. We'll, we'll, let you look. we'll never be the biggest site. We're, we're happy with our place, you know, our little corner. I say it all the time too small to be big, too big to be small. Right. So, you know, that's what we are. And, but we're never going to aggregate. I, I would never reduce myself to that. We're not going to do that. Um, we know we can make more money doing that. I could sit here all day and comb the internet and aggregate and be competent enough at it and 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 go out there and chase clicks like these other sites do. I'm not going to do it. Uh, you know that's that's. Just, but if you're going to do it, I mean, you can't get mad at people. I think it's completely out of line to get upset at the original creator if they want it aggregated their way with a very simple request. Nobody asked you to hop over the fucking moon. We just said put a link in your tweet. If you don't want to put links in your tweet, don't aggregate us. All right, great. They're not aggregating us anymore. That's that's fine. That's fantastic. We all agree to that. That's not a threat. That's that makes it better for everybody. Believe me, we don't want it. You know, but you know, I I don't know. Maybe if you haven't broken a, a news story in five years, you need to aggregate. I don't know. All right. Voices of Wrestling.com, Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. All right. Let's get into uh, some of the actual stuff we want to talk about this week. I told you, no collar tugging. I told you. No, I'd be you're good. good. You're Is good. that good? Um, Is yeah. that right? <laughs> you're all right. You're all right. Good. I don't know if you were good. You're you all right. You think you're going to get some DMs or no? You think you're going to get some DMs or no? Yeah. Might get a few less might... ballots sent in for the match of the year this year. That's all I'll say. <laughs> you think you might. You think you might miss an invite to certain things eh. that you usually get to participate in? Yeah, right? maybe. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. But, uh, that's all right. Listen, I don't know. If I'm out of line, Rich, just let me know. That's right, fine. I'll... Yeah, I'm used to it. We've been doing this thing for uh, – we'll, we'll be passing 12 years here that's... in a little bit, right? So it's like I can't well, be surprised about it. 13 years. Coming 13? up on 13 years. 13? Are you kidding me? Really? This is thir- This will uh, thir- be 13 years oh. in February. All right. Yeah. Shit. Without a single aggregated article ever. 
So. And a damn good podcast. Mostly and every single week. So that doesn't review Raw. And we'll never review Raw. No, no Raw reviews. No aggregations. I think at one that's point, no, fucking, no, that's not true. We reviewed Raw 25 or whatever. Remember we that re- show? We, we did an interaction live for Raw Jeez. 25. Show fucking stunk. That was the one that was so fucking terrible. Remember? They were at the Manhattan Center, and it was awful. And they were at, you know, it was something like, like the club in DX. And we were just like, we just came on the show. We're like, fucking, what the hell is this stupid show? And then we never talked about Raw ever again. Anyway, one raw review, one raw review. Yeah, we're done. We, we had one, we had one, but we learned. And no aggregation. No and aggregation. Doing all right. Doing, doing pretty right. damn good. Pretty, pretty damn good. All right, let's Growth get to it. Every year. <laughs> Growth every year. Every year. That's. I'm just saying. I'm. I'm. I'm thankful for all the supporters. And the uh, subscribers, too. We have uh, subscriber growth every year. Mm -hmm. I just want to say that one more time. Okay. All right. This week. Uh, yes. Finally into it. Let's talk about a bunch of different stuff. We're going to preview TNA's Hard to Kill, a show that uh, TNA themselves is uh, doing a very poor job of previewing, but we'll try to do uh, just as bad of a job of previewing TNA Hard to Kill coming up this weekend. NWA Paranoia. Yes, there is an NWA show this weekend. You probably don't know about it, though, and that might be by design. So we'll talk a little bit about NWA Paranoia. MLW's King of Coliseum. A fight slash thriller TV event uh, from last week. I've watched it. You have watched it. We're going to review MLW's King of Coliseum because the world of MLW, of course, never stops. Contract season updates. We're going to talk about a lot of movement going on uh, with contract season. you got Camille, Clark Connors, Alex Coughlin, Gabe Kidd, ELP, Matt Riddle, plus uh, some major changes at the executive level for both AEW and WWE that we want to talk about. Uh, of, course, of course, Poster Tony is back at it. And uh, actually, you know, let, let's start with that. We got New, New Japan news and notes that we're going to get to here in a little bit. But let's start with, let's start with Poster Tony. And um, a, a very weird week on, on, on X, formerly known as Twitter. You had Jinder Mahal versus Hook. Then you had Tony Khan versus Eric Bischoff. Then you have Dave Meltzer versus Eric Bischoff. Can you try to explain in the best way possible what the hell all happened and how it all came to this point? And then, then we'll kind of talk a little bit about maybe... So some method behind this madness that was going on uh, over the day. So how how the hell did this even begin? Because I just woke up one day and like Jinder Mahal and Hook were feuding on Twitter, and I was like, "What the fuck is happening? What's going on here?" I guess Hook was Hook well, really involved. I guess Hook really wasn't that involved. Hook wasn't involved. Yeah. Um, you're asking in earnest how it started? Yeah, yeah, kind of. Oh well, Tony Khan caught wind that uh, Jinder Mahal would be challenging Seth Rollins for the uh, fake world title. And uh, the third world title deal that they have or whatever. And um, he took (laughs) Tony being Tony being a poster. uh, He had taken some shit uh, because Hook last week had put out a um, uh, in the pre-tape a challenge for the title. And he was saying, now, hold on a second. Why am I getting basically, you know, he didn't this way. He didn't tweet in my voice. He said, hold on a second. Uh, Paraphrasing. I, I bet when Tony gets fired up, it's not that different than a, than a Joe Lanza. Uh, he's like, why am I getting shit for hook when Jinder Mahal literally has not ha- won a match in 365 days and he's getting a title shot and nobody's giving them shit for this. Why am I getting shit for hook? And that just set off a, everything else that you saw. Right. So, uh, the, the dumbest people he's... ever mobilize, <laughs> as per usual. It's, it's... Yeah, and and not not just that, but the usual uh, people who take advantage of such things, like Eric Bischoff getting in the mix, and 
all your usual grifters and whatnot. And it turned into another case of just, you know, the, the super ugly tribalism, which is taken. I, I have to say, you know, I, I've been around a lot of years and I have been around for the Monday night war uh, with the WWE and, and WCW fans and throw in a dose of the ECW fans into that. If you'd like in the early days of the internet, I was around for the new Japan Noah fans you know, the, you know, the green ring versus the strong style fans on the message boards back in the day. And that got nasty. That that got as bad as you, as you could imagine. This is the worst that wrestling tribalism has ever been that I have ever experienced. Well, it, it, it's, it's a lot right easier now. to be performative it's, and it's a lot easier to monetize your performative bullshit. Too. That's I think that's the key. Right. I think that's the key. And it's not just even from fans. I think what's different about today's tribalism versus those other examples is now the media is involved and they have either picked sides or are, have been perceived to pick sides. Right. So Dave Meltzer, for example, probably as we speak, if people want to pull up the Twitter app is probably arguing with someone who says that he's on AEW's payroll and, or never says anything bad about AEW or is, uh, artificially, um, uh, you know, uh, propping up AEW's bad ratings with some kind of spin. So even though Dave really doesn't have a, a side in this sort of wrestling culture war, the perception is he's on one of two Correct. sides, right? And so even people who aren't on a side necessarily, there's a perception that they're on a side and perception is reality when it comes to things like this. And you have other people in media who very clearly are on a side. Eric Bischoff is on an anti-AEW crusade slash grift. He just is. Jim Cornette is on an anti-Tony Khan, anti-AEW, anti-Young Bucks, Kenny Omega crusade. He just is. My, uh, Dave Scherer, Dave Scherer, who I fear is not well, is clearly has a personal issue with tony oh my god yeah his his stuff is bizarre to the point where like i i honestly think people should just like ignore him because i I, like you said i don't think he's well something is very very wrong with that guy like eric bishop i understand we always say the guy's not dumb the guy might play dumb but he's not dumb he's a very he knows how to he knows how to monetize and he knows how to take advantage of certain things very well he's a smart and intelligent and crafted guy in that way I don't know about Dave. <laughs> I don't know about Dave Shear. I, it's something. And with, and with Cornette, it's just, and with Cornette, it's personal issues. Yeah, Cornette, I, I just, that's how he's always been. When he gets mad, he just gets fucking real mad, and that's the end of it. Jim Cornette, I, believe me, I don't think he's running a grift. I think he really hates the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. Mm-hmm. Okay? I believe that. Certainly. He hates them. And I don't think he's bullshitting about that. To, to, to See, Bischoff, he's running an angle. Eric Bischoff is, is, is performative. He's running a the word grift gets tossed around a lot erroneously. He's running a grift. That's the definition of a grift. That's what Bischoff's doing. I don't know what's going on with Dave Scherer, but my point here is in this round of, you know, um, wrestling tribalism, it has the added elements of the media being involved. And in some cases, whether they like it or not. And, uh, you know, and, and, these media people are influential. You know, some of them know that they're influential and take advantage of that. Um, you know, and, and others, you know, may not be intentionally doing, but you know, you don't ask to be a tastemaker. 
You know, years ago, someone got mad at me. I don't even remember what it was about or who it was, and that's not important. But someone got mad at me years ago and and said, you know, you're a tastemaker, so you shouldn't say things like that. Some wrestling opinion. And my response was, I don't ask to be a tastemaker. You might be right. I don't know. Maybe I am a tastemaker to some extent. Maybe if I come on my show and put over fucking All Japan, I'll turn people on to All Japan. But I can't think. That's not my problem. I can't think about that. I just go on my show and I tell you what I think. So you can't, you sh- you don't get to tell me I should hold back certain opinions because I have to keep in mind that I'm a tastemaker. I don't think it works like that. That's not what my show is. It's not what it is. My show will always be, Rich, you and I telling people what we like and don't like about wrestling. And then the chips are going to fall. You know, if that's going to influence people, so be it. If it isn't, so be it. We have, a, we have just as many people who yell at us and call us idiots, our own fucking listeners, as people who tell us that they, they <laughs> nod in agreement. Yeah. So- you know, go read go read the reviews today of my dynamite review. They all disagree with me. So, you know, it, it, you know, it's whatever. I just have to tell people what I think. But, you know, the, the point here is the tribalism is even worse because the media is involved in this round. And like you said, it's easier for randos to monetize their opinions. And we're seeing a lot of that. Right. Back back when I was a 10-year-old on AOL chat rooms arguing about WCW versus WWF or whatever, I was just doing that because I was a 10-year-old in an AOL chat room, and then I closed it, and that was the end of my day. I just did it because I thought it was fun, or I enjoyed doing it, or I enjoyed the the, the banter back and forth. I wasn't seeing a check from it. I wasn't getting money from it. A modicum of, of, you know, like a lot of it's just, you know, modicum of pennies being thrown at these people, but that's enough to make them think, ah, and or or think oh this is the path towards relevancy or this is the path towards me becoming a, a millionaire by tweeting and this being is, an opinion maker a, and that sort of stuff. Never did I think as a, a ten year old. This, this is a path towards getting invited to the Royal Rumble. Uh, right? Yeah, exactly. A path towards getting a free ticket to the Royal Rumble. That's I was it. a ten year old in an AOL chat room being like, "Fuck you, Dimalinko rules." You know, what I mean? and argue with people for hours about Dimalinko just because I wanted to. Just because I have nothing else to do. I was bored and I didn't have that many friends, so that's what I did with my free time. That's a whole different thing than what's going on now. Like you said, now you are able to monetize that. You are able to turn that into something, or you're able to turn that into a nugget of a thing that you think is going to turn into something. So it's a completely different game. Completely different game. Yeah. And, and, you know, on top of that, um, you know, in all of the other obvious reasons, you know, there's more social media than ever. And, um, you know, I, I feel like it might be an unfair comparison because do I think that during the Monday night wars, it would have been just as bad with the same level with, if, if it were, if, if the technology and the social media we had today were transferred to 1998. Yeah. I do think it would have been just as bad. I do. But it, it what we but it wasn't, and we can only deal with the reality. Right, ECW nineteen ninety three so, would probably be pretty bad too. You know, making fun of WCW and all that sort of shit with Heyman running and uh, muck. That's, you that's know, that's more ninety. That's more ninety four. Ninety four, ninety five. I should say, yeah. And sorry, you that. Can, and you can listen to November to remember to get the full history on that yeah. right on the uh, Voice of Wrestling pay, uh, flagship Patreon. So, um, but yeah, no, absolutely. There's without question. You know, you know, people get mad at Tony Khan. Circling back to the topic at hand, they get mad at Tony Khan for tweeting things that are rather innocuous compared to what like Paulie dangerously or Joey styles or what Paulie dangerously would have other people say on a random ECW episode in 1994. I mean, what Tony is saying is nothing. You know, people would, people lose their minds over Tony saying, hold on a second. Why does gender deserve a title shot when hook doesn't? And that's like tissue soft compared to the kind of shit that ECW, the bombs they used to lob at, especially at WCW. 
they were much harder on WCW oh, yeah. than they were on WWE. But um, <clears throat> but but yeah, for all those reasons. But it's gotten really bad and really nasty, and 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 um, you know, it's it's uh, it, it's it's ugly scenes. But yeah, the the funny thing is, a lot of fans and even Eric Bischoff came at Tony uh, with, well, you can't complain about Jinder Mahal having not won a match in over a year. Rich, while I'm talking, do you mind pulling up Jinder's cage match so we can get the uh, sure. back right on that? Yeah, yeah, let's, let's um, get Jinder Mahal's cage match. There, there aren't many matches on it, so yeah, it shouldn't guys take always long hurt. to figure uh, it out. Guys hurt but, very often, um, so. And they never use them, and, yeah. you know, but but they, they came at Tony with the idea of, uh, hold on a second, you forget Hook, you just gave Abaddon a title shot, and, you know, she wasn't on TV for two years or whatever, and what's so silly about bringing up people like Hook and Abaddon is with the exception of Sting, they have the two best one-loss records in the entire company. <laughs> right. I swear to God, Rich, Hook is, I looked this up earlier today, Hook's record in AEW is 43-3. and three. And that's like, I don't even think those losses are, sing- like one of those is a singles match, I think. I could be wrong about that. But the point is he's 43-3. and three. Abaddon is 46 and five and her record was better before she got the title shot. Cause she lost Abaddon had gone like a full year without losing. She was undefeated for about a year. It's these people were bringing up examples. Abaddon's the complete opposite of gender Mahal. <laughs> it's the worst example you could make. It's the worst. It's uh, Hook's actually the, the worst one because the guy never loses. Cause Hook always wins. The guy never loses. And he's on TV all the time. You can at least say, all right, Abaddon's never on TV. Right, right, right. But the thing about Abaddon is Abaddon won a number one contenders match to become the number one contender, which I'm not thrilled with. I preferred when the rankings were around. But winning a number one contender match is like standard issue how you get a title shot in pro wrestling these days. And that's what they did with Abaddon. So how the hell are people bringing up Abaddon as an example? 46 and 5. And was forty six and three at the time, and won a number one contenders match. And they think they have these gotchas. That was Eric Bischoff's big gotcha. Somebody tipped off Eric Bischoff that Abaddon hadn't wrestled on TV in a while, and he threw that in Tony Khan's face. When Abaddon never fucking loses, and neither does Hook. So those were terrible examples to use. You know, if you if you tried a little harder there probably would have been some decent aew examples because they got away from the rankings which i wish they would go back to but then it turns into a culture war then it turns into tony khan was disrespecting jinder mahal which he wasn't he was disrespecting the booking he didn't say jinder mahal hasn't won a match in a year and oh by the way i think he's the drizzling shits he didn't say that all he said was he didn't win a match in a year and he's getting a title shot. And why is that okay? He didn't even say it wasn't okay. He just said, why is that okay? And what I'm doing, not okay. Also, who cares if he's making... I think gender will be okay. Think... Also, yes, who cares? I feel like an <laughs> idiot for breaking pro this down. wrestling. Fuck off. Like, it's like, God, man, what has happened to this business? Where it's like, he's being mean to Jinder Mahal. Don't be mean to Jinder Mahal. <laughs> it's like, who cares? Jinder doesn't continue. care. Jinder's a multi-millionaire at this point, probably, man. That guy's been getting paid for years. The guy's wrestled tw- like five times in the last two years. I'm sure he's perfectly okay with where his life's at. I, I don't think he's tossing and turning. I don't think he you know, was sitting down at the dinner 
dinner table and read a tweet that somebody got went, oh god damn it <laughs> like how dare he say this about me how dare he yeah yeah but you know they picked horrible examples. It's not like they gave Jay Lethal a title shot after going 0-5 in the Continental Classic. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Like That would have been preposterous. And and by the way, here's the difference, too. Okay? AEW fans, more so than WWE fans, do shit on things like that. They don't like illogical booking and illogical title shots. I complained about that shit on my review every week. I've complained about people getting title shots that shouldn't and bring back the rankings. Right. So, um, you know, to, to bring it up and, and try to make that point, especially when hook is 43 and three, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. But anyway, that's to catch you up. That's what started everything, Rich. And then, uh, of course, Bischoff got into it with Dave Meltzer, uh, as an offspring, uh, as an offspring of this. And, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, it, it's just, uh, but I tell you what, uh, Dave utterly destroyed Bischoff multiple times in response. Bischoff probably should have laid low because um, Dave's been starting to take off the gloves because Dave knows where the bodies are buried. Yes. Dave knows where the bodies are buried, you know, and then, you know, you know, he brought up that Bischoff once <clears throat> bragged about averaging 5,500 fans a year in WCW and AEW beat that figure this past year. And Eric claims that AEW is dying and their business is falling apart. Right. So, you know, things like that. And, um, you know, also mentioning that, you know, <laughs> that he knows that because Eric asked Dave to prepare him for an interview with Michael Landsberg. And uh, and Dave did all of Eric's work for him and helped prepare him for the interview with Landsberg. And see, these are things that Bischoff doesn't share with his sycophants, that he was on the phone with Dave Meltzer after every episode of Nitro going over each segment and asking for Dave's advice. Right. See. Now Dave is starting to take off the gloves. Right, that doesn't get brought up in 83 weeks. Yeah, it doesn't get brought up in 83 weeks. Is that, oh yeah, I talked to Dave about every single segment of these every single month for, for, for weeks and weeks and weeks and months and months and months and years and years and years. That doesn't get brought up. Instead, it's this, this dirt or, sheet, or, or, bicycle seat sniffer, idiot, Dave Meltzer doesn't know shit. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, or, or or when Eric is, is scared shitless because he's going to do a media interview and he doesn't even know the attendance of his own shows and he has to ask Dave. Like, that was my biggest takeaway from that exchange. Like, why did Eric need Dave to tell him the attendances of his own shows before he went to do this media interview? But that's classic Eric Bischoff. You know, the guy's just, uh, well, he's in the Well, he wasn't very good at running WCW because he had a a little bit of a period that was doing good and then a lot of period where it wasn't doing good. So I don't think he was very good at running uh, WCWs. It would be my hot take on that. Yeah, but the... uh... The tribalism has certainly um, gotten out of control and it's gotten ugly. And, you know, it's uh, and I and I do think it's it's the Bischoffs of the world who who uh, extrapolate it. You know, they, they, they pile on because it's good for their business. Right. It's 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 because Eric Bischoff plays to that crowd and other people see that that's a viable strategy, whether it's other media people like like your bischoffs or or what have you or whether it's randos on twitter who say hey i could pay for this check mark and you know i could just tweet the most innocuous slander towards aew mostly towards aew let's be honest they're the ones who are mostly under attack or wwe and i can get you know five thousand impressions four thousand likes and i i don't even have to try this is easy it's just like it's hooking fish on the end of a line i mean you know because 
people just eat it up because everyone has chosen sides and they're all looking for the next great burn. You know, it's, it's embarrassing to watch from afar. From afar, it's 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 yeah, incredible. It's it's even more embarrassing that we're talking about it here and and thinking of all these people spending all of their time on this thing, on this app, doing all this shit that that has just no value whatsoever. Just fucking an atrocious waste of time for everybody. But you know, but circling back to Tony, I, I could see why sometimes he gets defensive because it can't be easy to constantly have all this shit thrown at you. A but, lot of it that's not true. But he's he's going to the place where the shit is. Just don't go there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Twitter is the place where Log the shit the is. Log the fuck off and right. run your wrestling company is what I would do. He, he, he has, you know, I thought he was coming around at that ROH presser when he started to talk how, you know, he needs to, how he's spending less time on Twitter but doesn't appear that way. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, I think he has an overinflated value of Twitter. Now I'm sure he pays people to tell him what Twitter is worth. He would be really the only major brand that, that feels that way then, because look, we talk about it all the time. And just for the listeners, think about it. Forget wrestling. Okay. Set wrestling aside because wrestling is this weird thing. And you know, uh, what major brands have a hardcore in your face presence on Twitter. I don't think there's any rich. Can you it's think of very one? few at this point? Very, very few at this point. I, I is mean, that is that stupid you know, Wendy's thing still going on? The dumb Wendy's Twitter that everybody still Yeah, but that that's just they, they were just doing memes and right, right. witty reports. But but I mean what major brands? What, are there any automakers? Are there any no. uh tech companies? Are there any um and name your business, uh restaurants um who who just have a massive presence on Twitter and you could tell that it's a key component of their marketing and their business who name them. There's none. I mean, that should tell you all you need to know. We talked about it earlier when we were talking about aggregation, I mean, rich can give you facts on the click through percentages on Twitter versus other social media sites. And it, Twitter is, is by far the worst. Am I right or wrong? Absolutely. Right. hundred percent. It's and and, and by I've, far the worst. And I've consulted with other companies. I've consulted with my shoot job. I've I've helped other companies realize that you're not getting anything off Twitter, so don't worry about it. Don't bother. You want to post a couple things here and there because you want to have a presence on there, go ahead. But do not, do not, do not devote your time to this. Devote your time. If the goal is to get clicks, if your goal is get engagement and quote unquote brand awareness, then sure. If you want to kind of shoot fucking blanks out there on Twitter, great. Go for it. Maybe you'll hit. I don't know, probably not, but if your goal is to sell things or to, you know, get click throughs or get people to go to your website, you're wasting your time on Twitter. Stop doing this on Twitter. Yeah, go to Facebook, time, go to Instagram, see- go to YouTube, go to all these other places that that are far more enga- people are on Twitter, they don't want to get off of Twitter. People go on Facebook a lot of times to get off of Facebook, to get a click to somewhere, to find something they like. Mm. You know, a lot of it is that they they'll, they, they you know, they for a while there it was to talk to people, to reconnect with people or whatever, but then Facebook kind of became the dashboard of the internet where a lot of people will scroll and scroll and scroll and then they'll see something and they'll click on it. Whether it's an ad, whether it's a news article, whether it's a post, a group, whatever, that that's that's what happens. Uh Instagram, a lot of times that's people kind of scrolling for 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 photos, watching videos or whatever, but a lot of purchases get made on Instagram as well. The numbers are there. There's huge advertised numbers on, on Instagram. People are on Twitter to be on Twitter. They're not on Twitter to go somewhere else. They're not on Twitter to go read somewhere else. They're not right, on Twitter to right. go buy something. They're on there to shoot the shit, banter, argue, or, or, or waste time. And that's what they're doing. So, yeah, it does not. <laughs> it does not. It's a, it's, a, 
it's increasingly also a young person's game. Yeah. Twitter. I mean, we've seen that evolve right in front of our eyes and they're on there just to shoot the shit, uh, dunk on each other, you know, and, and fuck around. And, and, the, and the thing about it is you can say, all right, well, uh, Z in the chat, this guy always has, he, he says, I can think of one automaker that cares a lot about Twitter. Oh, <laughs> he's got you on that one. <laughs> that's, he's got me there. He's got Z you there. He's got me there. Yeah. Um, now, now the counter argument might be, all right, well, wrestling's different. And as Tony Khan said at that press conference, you know, it seemed, he said that the world of wrestling congregates on Twitter. But that's because he congregates reason. on Twitter. And I, I get, right, because I think, again, do, do I think wrestling more so than maybe some other endeavors attracts a higher percentage of their fans to Twitter? Maybe. That might be true. But I still think he's overinflating. You're in the silo, dude. That's why. That's right. You're <laughs> inside the bubble. So to you, it feels like everyone is there. Let's listen. So if your argument is that wrestling is different and for and you know it's more advantageous for wrestling companies or wrestlers themselves or whoever wrestling websites to have a big Twitter presence, you know that if you think it's vital in this one specific space of pro wrestling. When's the last non-robot tweet that we sent out, Rich? Two and a half years ago? Probably. Years I mean, ago, I, I will send out pseudo non-robot tweets, but it's essentially just saying, here's the article, click it. Right, right, right. There's not been People one opinion. There's not been robot. one opinion tweeted out since about three uh, years ago. About different. three years ago. Three years, three years ago. When's the last time we chased engagement? Might yeah, be the three, years way to put three years ago. Three years ago. Okay. I would invite anyone listening to go on that little site that tracks patreon subscriptions and look at our graph that's all if you think twitter is necessary in wrestling for growth go put it put us in their little search box on that site that's all and the the graph is not going down the graph is not going down okay and you'll have to take our word on the other metrics that you can't see that we're not going to share You'll have to take our word on those. But it would stand the reason. If our subscriptions are going up, that everything else is doing pretty okay too. You don't need Twitter. And I don't think, I think when you're in the Twitter bubble, it feels like it's the entire world. Of course. And I think, and, and by design, by design. Yeah. And, and I think Tony gets wrapped up in that. I think that, that he gets wrapped up in that. And he then thinks, that whatever he's seeing on Twitter is a reality and not just a reflection of everything of, of all, but literally the world that it is the entire wrestling world. And it's not true. The fact of the matter is anybody who follows Tony Khan on Twitter for wrestling, because he's got NFL and soccer followers too, and friends, or but people who follow Tony Khan because they know him as the wrestling promoter. The fact of the matter is, they have their mind made up on AEW. They're on one side or the other of this culture war already. So his tweets aren't going to sway people. There's ne- there's there isn't some Roman Reigns avatar who saw that uh, Jinder Mahal tweet and said, "You know what? Tony's got a point." <laughs> right. I'm watching oh, Collision man. this week. <laughs> I'm not gonna. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna watch Collision. I'm watching and, Rampage you know, this week. That Tony's speaking some truth. I'm gonna go watch Rampage. Yeah, that, that that's not happening. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it, it's 
I, I feel like, and then it blows up and becomes like what it was for two days this week. Now, I will say this. When Tony becomes poster Tony, not every time, but a lot of the times, Rich, there is a method to his madness. I agree. He's either he's either trying to drum up interest for a show, and a good example of that was Kenny Omega Vikingo when he promoted that as a dream match. And then he spent time arguing with people about it when they came at him for it. That did nothing but help the rating. That did nothing but help promote the match. Okay? And there's other instances when he becomes poster Tony. When he's confident about something. When he has something ding, up Ding, 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 ding. That When when you talked about it on, on your Thursday Dynamite review, I was screaming saying, he's got something. He's got something. He's got something. Because you get when, – when, when Tony's annoyed or upset – or whatever in the in the times that we've seen him publicly, or that he's been on, you know, running this company, or times that we've talked to him, he's DM Tony when he's upset. I'll tell you that <laughs> he is not poster Tony. He is he's posting in the DMs when he's upset or annoyed or angered about something. But when he's happy, when something's going good, or he's got an ace up his sleeve, or he's got a big announcement, or he's got something going on. That's when he becomes poster Tony. So that's the entire, as I was kind of reading through and, and seeing these posts and seeing what was going on, that's when I said, this guy's got something. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just that that, that TNT or the Turner uh, uh, thing that was propping up AEW, talking about the 4 million viewers every week or whatever, whatever that may be, or he signed money, or he did this, or he did. I don't know what, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but that's the first thing that came to my mind is that when to- when. When poster Tony gets out there, that usually means that he's got something or he's got an ace up his sleeve or he's confident about something or he's feeling himself. That's when he's he's doing that. He's a little more puffy chested about something. So I don't know what that would be that, you know, this particular week or what, what's going on. But that's the first thing that came to my mind is that he's feeling confident. He's got something. Something's going well. Something's going right. Something's happening. That's why you're getting poster Tony. Often that's the case. So this week, um, Dynamite was flat in total viewers. It was up 12% in the demo. Was that because of poster Tony? Was that because there was more attention on Hook getting a title shot or whatever the fuck? More attention on AEW. More people seeing his tweets promoting Dynamite because they were they had his uh, feed bookmarks because they wanted to see you know his next fucking dunk or whatever. I don't know. But I do know that there are times where there's absolutely a method to this madness, and that's why he becomes poster Tony. Now, listen, I'm not saying there's not times where he's just not gotten to or he feels like or he gets frustrated because he's constantly getting banged on and he wants to fucking clap back because he's human like everybody else. And he's not just human. He came from being a poster. He's a literal right. poster. And and he came from, you know, that time where we were all rich you know it full well you and i came from the same time period the same boards where it was just you know it was just a different version of twitter where everybody's just being fucking nasty to each other right you, you crack your humans, knuckles every time you'd log in and crack your yeah. knuckles and see who was calling you an asshole today or who was calling into question yeah. your ability to to watch wrestling or talk about wrestling or, or or put words together whatever yeah you cracked your knuckles and you went after it every day you're retweeting threads on a message board waiting for someone to reply to you you know, you're, you're fucking you're slapping that F5 waiting for someone to post the response. It was just slower Twitter. Right. You, know? you, had, to, you and, had to stew and, on and, it a little bit. You had to stew on it a little bit longer, which was good. I, I, I appreciate yeah. that. And the only difference was it was all like-minded people on the board who, who for the most part, didn't have any ill will towards each other. You might have had your board enemies. Everyone had their board enemies, you know. But um, 
I'm sure we had arguments and debates on those old boards. You and I, in oh, fact, I'm I sure know we did. we did. I'm sure we did. I'm I sure can think did. of a few, you know, and it's like, it wasn't like, I don't, I, I, I wasn't like, oh, I want FedEx, FedEx, whatever your name, FedEx 337 or whatever it was. Close enough. I don't want enough. him to, I don't want him to die. You know, I just, I think he's wrong about fucking quality starts. That's all. <laughs> I think he's overrating on base percentage. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. This shit like that, you know. But na- but the shit on Twitter gets nasty, you know, and, and it's it's nastier than ever because it's complete strangers and you're not on a message board with a thousand members who are all like-minded. When you tweet something, it goes to the fucking, everyone on the fucking site can see it. You know, and it goes at the corners of the fucking fandom that don't jive with what you're saying or don't understand your perspective. But that's drifting off the point. The point is Tony gets wrapped up in this and I think he thinks Twitter encompasses all and it doesn't you know but um i don't know i i I don't know if this week's was intentional or not i i you know it may have it may have not started that way and then became that way i'll tell you what though tony khan got jinder mahal over more than wwe (laughs) ever this is the most i've heard about jinder mahal in in a given week and and i have i have a great way to end this segment that'll wrap everything up when you are done let me know i have a great way and then we will just immediately go uh, into New Japan Pro Wrestling news and notes, or actually, we'll do contract season. But let me know when you're when you're done, and I will give you the perfect way to cap off the first hour and a half of this show. All right. And I mean this this tribalism. Yeah, I'll let you know. So this tribalism is so hot and heavy now that there are people so like drilled into their side that they will defend Jinder Mahal like he's good. <laughs> right. When he's terrible. He's one of the he worst wrestled. major league wrestlers. He's terrible. He was a disaster as a world champion, and he never wrestles because he's always hurt. That's how bad it is. They'll defend him and claim that he's not terrible. And Tony didn't even say he was terrible. I'll say he's terrible because he is terrible. Ginger Mahal is one of the worst. He's one of the worst wrestlers that, that that company has put on their main roster in a decade. Is there any d- d- doubt? I mean, he's bottom 10. He's really bad. Oh, he's fucking horrific. Yeah, he's terrible. And he's never been good. Before he ever, you know, the guy stinks. These people will defend anything. I mean, because it's their side. You got to defend your side. You know, at all costs. But anyway, wrap it up, Rich. All right. <clears throat> this wraps up the first hour and a half of the show perfectly in a nice, tidy package. At 411 Mania aggregates the following. Jonathan Coachman weighs in on Hook and Jinder Mahal debate. Quote, wrestling is not about wins. Ah, yes. Thanks, Coach. All right. (laughs) Contract season. Let's talk about uh, some people moving. Different contract stuff. We got Camille. We got Clark Connors, Alex Coughlin, Gabe Kidd, ELP. We got Matt Riddle. Major changes at the executive level of AEW and WWE. Where do you want to start? You want to start with Camille? Let's talk about NWA superstar Camille. How about that? Man, you know... uh... You uh, you gave away all my contract season notes. This usually I go through them, and you you don't know what's coming. But the listeners know what's coming. Maybe you have some extra ones. Maybe got some extra ones out there. I'm a little, you know, I feel like you're stepping all over my bit here. You know, I'm a little little hurt, Rich. I mean, you gave away all the names already. I mean, you know, it's not how we do it. Like normally, I will (laughs) say it's time for contract, and I'll throw the names at you, and you don't know who's coming. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. All right, I guess we'll do it this way. You can still do it. I'll, I'll hey, I'll 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 stand back. Well, he's restarted. The, you know, he's, he's restarted. You can't you can't put that toothpaste back in the tube. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna say Camille rumored to be going to WWE, Rich. 
your reaction, but you already told everybody. I didn't give you my reaction, though. All right. Well, what's your reaction? Yeah. It's a good spot for her. Good landing spot. Uh, I think it's going to be funny that we... Who's talked about Camille more in the last four years than us? No one. Nobody. And it kind of feels no, like... No, that's not true. There's those dopey, dopey NWA podcasts. NWA <laughs> podcasts. Right? There's a dopey NWA podcast. Oh, Probably by Gary them. Horn, that one. <laughs> Probably, Probably them. They might have us beat. They, they might, might have, have us beat. Uh, the only other good podcast to talk about Camille over the last four years is us. And I felt a little bit of um, a little sense of pride. I was like, oh, all right. She's graduating. And now a lot of people are going to start learning about her and start realizing, I don't know if she's going to work on WWE. I don't know if she's going to be great in NXT. That's where she's rumored to be, expect to end up somewhere in WWE or NXT or whatever. But I think it's going to be very interesting to see what people think about her because I think the look she's got, the in-ring she has, we've talked about the promos. The promos are rough. That's always going to be rough. Her voice doesn't match what she looks like. She doesn't have a voice that gives the the the... It's 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 not an authenticity thing. It's just she looks like a million bucks, but then when she talks, it just doesn't quite. I don't know. It's a it's it's a strange voice. It doesn't match her what, what she is, and it kind of it doesn't match her aura as well, which kind of sucks about it. But all things aside, like she's great. I, I think she's really really good, and 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 I think she has been the best part of NWA over the last four years or whatever. And I'm very curious what the reaction is going to be once people finally get to see her and see her wrestle in WWE and, and, and do certain things that I think a lot of people are going to be doing a lot of catch up, you know, over the last couple of years of, of, of what she was. I mean, no one's going to go back and watch the NWA stuff, but there's going to be a lot of, Whoa, where did this person come? Whoa, who had any idea about Camille? And it's going to be like, man, <laughs> it's like, I feel weird. We were the ones that were like banging that drum over and over again. We were getting mad. Remember when we get mad at the PWI would have the women 500 and we're like, kayfabe wise, Camille should be number one. She always wins. She has good matches. She's the champion of the NWA. Like she, and then she wouldn't not, she wouldn't rank because she's the NWA. Like I, I'm, I'm going to be very, very curious how people react to her getting there and what people do. Cause she's still only 31 years old, which I think is lost on some people. She's that's not super, super young, but that's, she's not 35, 36, 37. She still has a lot of good years in her. So, um, I'm, I'm curious how it's going to work. I think she's a good fit for that company. I think she's a good fit for WWE and NXT. And yeah, we'll see. But uh, it, it kind of felt, I just felt this sense of like, wow, is there anybody that's talked about her more than we have over the last four years, uh, except for the Dopey NWA podcast? Yeah, she sounds like Chris Tucker. I don't know how that's possible, but that's what <laughs> yeah. she sounds like when she talks. <laughs> um, she sounds like a college softball coach because she's a softball player, but she sounds like a D3 college softball assistant coach, like the cool coach. Um, listen, you, you will never be able to watch Rush Hour again because she sounds like Chris Tucker. That's tough. I'm not going to I'm not gonna listen. No, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. What, are you a big Rush Hour guy? No, I'm just not going to make that connection because I'm, then I'm never going to not hear it in her. Yeah, see, it's, uh, it's, it's Friday starring Ice Cube and Camille. That's what <laughs> she sounds like. Mm. Chris Tucker. I mean, she, I, I don't, listen. I don't want to ruin Friday. You can ruin Rush Hour for me. I don't really want to ruin Friday, though, so I think I'm going to try well, how about to... when you see Camille cut a promo, you picture Chris Tucker. Do it in reverse. Um, I, okay, I could do that. I could do that. Yeah. Well, um, that's why her voice doesn't fit her body, because you don't expect that person to sound like Chris Tucker. <laughs> Chris it's... Tucker. I mean, that's what she sounds like. <laughs> the, the... Remember, she didn't talk for, like, three years. Yes. That Her gimmick was she didn't speak. She was just, Nick, all this is heavy. Remember? And then she finally caught a promo, and I was like, oh, my God, that's like Chris. she sounds like Chris Tucker. It's the first thing that popped in my head. But um, she's got a great look. She 
can absolutely work to that company's standards, especially NXT, where they all fucking trip over their own feet. Um, Except Jade. Yeah. Except Jade. Well, we don't know. Yeah. How would you know, Rich? They, she never, she's never on TV. They have her hidden in mothballs in the PC because she's such a lock, no doubt, lock it in star. Man, they got sold a bill of goods, huh? They did. <laughs> they did. She's got to be mean, in the rubble. She has to be in the rubble. If she's not in the rubble, in the rubble what are look, we even doing here? <laughs> it's going to happen eventually. Okay. They're going to get her on TV and she's going to do fine. Um, the thing about WWE now is they are in that great position where anything they do is over with their fans. You don't have to be good. They're defending Jinder Mahal, Rich. Jade, as soon as she's on TV, is going to get over. It doesn't matter if her matches are bad. They're doing Alexis. They're, they're doing Lexus King standing right now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we've, it, we've entered the bottom of the barrel. It, 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 it genuinely... <laughs> The company is so over to their fans right now that anything the company does, their fans are like, all right, yeah, this is, yeah, they're, they're, this person cooks. That It's just, you know, it doesn't matter. And I'm not even knocking them for that. That's an amazing That's position good for them. To be That's the best way to be. People would used to say that about AEW. Oh, anything AEW does, the fans just eat up. Good. That's a yeah, good company. Yeah, we used to be like, That's great. Like, <laughs> right. why, why is that bad? <laughs> That's, That's a awesome. very good thing. You know? Any company and, would want and, that. In the hobby... It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. 
you can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Yeah, and WWE has that right now. It doesn't matter what they throw out there. The fans are so into the promotion that they want to be into everything. And, you know, so, you know, I just think that they maybe weren't prepared for how limited Jade was, you know, and, and they're probably working hard to get her ready. I mean, we know this because Triple H said it. He admitted it publicly. Oh, we want her to be prepared for all possible scenarios and situations. And we got to get her ready for that, you know, and he admitted it. So, you know, Camille, I think she's a little better than Jade in the ring. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, and, and is a little more, you know, I, look, Neither one of them are, are Judy Martin, right? And never will be. But, you know, and, and Camille has her, like, Jade's a much better talker than Camille. Jade, uh, come, you know, ex- expresses herself and, and, and she has more charisma. She's, than, a, than she's got more charisma. I don't know if she's a better talker. Confidence. It's confidence. Yes. That's what she has. She has way more, the confidence, it just, the confidence just glows off of Jade's body. You know, she, thinks that she's great and and it comes across she's not faking it so they're very similar but they have different weaknesses too you know they both have obvious strengths obvious weaknesses but i think that their upsides are similar so if camille does end up there i think it's a good spot for her um let's move on so we'll talk about this group of new japan guys clark connors alex coglin gabe kid and elp El Fantasmo, and I might even be missing one or two. Um, there are reports that all of them, you know, their contracts are up at the end of January. <sighs> okay. Can I just, okay, here's the thing about that. <laughs> okay. There's something similar about all these guys. They're foreigners. All four of them are Gaijins. Okay. You got Gabe kids from the UK. Uh, ELP is a Canadian. And the other two guys I think are both American, right? Connors and Coglin. Yeah but they're all foreigners. They're all gaijins. And here's the thing. Most of the rosters contracts are up at the end of January in new Japan. Not everybody, but a good chunk of the roster, their deals come up at the end of every January. Everybody knows this. It's been that way for years. It's changed a little after 2016 with the Exodus with AJ Styles and Nakamura and the uh, uh, Anderson and Gallows and, and, and where they almost lost, um, Oh my God, you got to go all the way to Tamatanga has been threatening to leave since 2016. That just occurred to me. <laughs> I know, and I've, been yeah, to, I've been packing his back since that. Long too. Yeah. <laughs> go. Yes. Bullet club and WWE, please go. Do I it. Remember it was him and, and folly at the time who were yeah. rumored to be going too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but um, you know, so it's like you know, ever since 2016, you know, new Japan has been signing people because it used to be just one year deals over and over and over one year deal, one year deal. They got smartened up to that. They couldn't do it anymore because WWE was swooping in. So I'm not saying everybody's deal is up at the end of January, but a gigantic portion of the roster, their deals are going to come up every single January. 
So what's happening here is what these guys are doing, and this is why it matters that they're Gaijins. And we saw the Tongans do this last year. The same time, a year, right around this time, the rumor was Tamatanga, Tangaloa, and Hikuleo were rumored to be on their way to, to possibly be on their way to WWE. And they floated it out there that their contracts were up. Well, the other Gaijins paid attention to that. And now they're playing the same game. I'm not saying these guys' contracts aren't coming up at the end of January. I'm sure that they are. But the reason that these guys are floating that and leaking it to the media is to get their names out there to see if it can gather, you know, a little, you know, downward momentum and a little bit of steam. Maybe fans start talking about them. Maybe WWE or AEW or TNA or somebody notices and says, oh, you know, I Clark Connors is a free agent. All right, we, he's, he's pretty, you know, let's give him a call. Let's see what, you know, let's see where his head's at. That is why these stories are all coming out one after another of these New Japan Gaijin mm-hmm. being free agents at the end of January. They're planting that, and that's smart business by them. They're not going to, they're probably not going to leave. Okay. They're going to sign another one year deal, and we're going to play this game again next January. That's what this is. Okay. This isn't any kind of even big news, right? They're, look, El Phantasmo did an interview with Fightful a couple of weeks ago. And even on questions that had nothing to do with it, he was shoehorning in answers about his contract. <laughs> right. Just so you know, just to, just to remind you, my yeah. contract is. And, you know, it's like, that's what these guys are doing. You know, they're just letting it be known. And then, you know, maybe it it, it picks up steam on social media. Mm-hmm. And then maybe Kenny one of Omega these did promoters. That. Famously, remember the time when Kenny Omega did he that? He did it with tw- Dave Meltzer. He did it with Dave Meltzer. He went out with Dave Meltzer and the whole tenor of the conversation at the beginning was, all right, uh, Kenny being like, yeah, I mean, I don't know what my future is going to hold. I mean, I, I, I'm looking yep. at every option or whatever. And then Dave said, you know, well, what are some matches you're looking forward to this year? And he basically just listed off New Japan guys. Oh, I love it. I really love to face this guy. This guy This guy was all New Japan guys. And then two days later, he re-signed with New Japan for wrestling for another year. No, no, not even that. He was, he never had, he, he wasn't. It's right. like, oh, that's right. It he, wasn't even not even due. I don't even remember if he was he due was or whatever. He was just working. Yeah. He was just working because he wanted people to think. His situation was a little different. He was working a, a, an angle. And oh, because he, he left the Royal Rumble. Think- he had lost. He had lost at Wrestle Kingdom, and then he he was gone until after the Royal Rumble, right? And people thought, oh, maybe he's going to be in the Royal Rumble, and then no. yeah, and he he was work. And then when he named all those opponents he wanted to work with, they were it was every program he ended up working that year in <laughs> right, Japan, right? Twenty seventeen so or whatever. Was, he, yeah, right. He had all. It was all the people he ended up working with in New Japan. So his was a little different. What these guys are doing is they're just putting it out there. Hey, my contract's coming up, you know, and they're all booked for the new beginning tour. Okay. Now that doesn't necessarily mean anything because the class of 2016, we just talked about those guys finished up their dates too, you know? So let's say Tony Khan would give one of these guys a call. Let's say he gives Gabe kid a call and, 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 you know, Gabe kid's still going to work that new beginning tour. He's already booked for those shows. So it's also not uncommon for these guys to work some dates without a contract for a couple of months until that stuff gets hammered out. That happens every single year as well. But here's the thing. Let's say I'm Tony Khan and you know, Clark Connors has worked the forbidden door, I think before. And so has Coglin. I think, I think Coglin worked the forbidden door pre-show once. If I liked these guys, if I, if I thought the war dogs had potential and I was Tony Khan, I would not sign them. And I'm going to tell you why rich Craig. Okay. Why rattle that cage and upset a close partner of yours who you have this forbidden door show every year. 
You have this Wrestle Dream show now every year. You have a good partner. You share talent. Okay. Why rattle that cage and start stealing their young guys out from underneath them just because you can? Right, right. Don't That's do that. Steal a Will Ospreay because he wants to get to that next level in his career and make more money and, and wants to give it a shot or whatever. That's the kind of guy you rattle the cage for, even if it's rattling and, the cage. And, and, we'll, oh, and the thing with Will Ospreay is New Japan understands because they no longer can afford him. Right. They said, go out there, do it. He yeah, he, he said, and AEW said that uh, on their blessing, he said, go, go. That's get right. that. If, they can, if they're going to pay you that, go. <laughs> Take that money. Yeah, because, you know, New Japan knows they can't pay Will Ospreay anymore. And the other thing is, New Japan is thrilled that he signed with AEW because they still get to use him. So they're not even upset about that. It's like, all right, we can't afford the guy. He has outgrown us. He's been here for seven or eight years. They're, they're thrilled that he went to Tony and not WWE. Yeah, because now they can still bring him in and use him as a part timer. So that's a that's a different situation. If Tony goes out there and starts signing people like Clark Connors and Alex Coglin, New Japan might be like, all right, well, what the fuck? Like, you know, and, and here's the other thing. If you're Tony Khan, there's no reason to do that anyway. Why would you even if you like Clark Connors and you think he has potential? They don't need Clark right? Connors. You, what spot do you have for him right now? He's going to sit there and rot the, the prudent thing to do is let them stay in New Japan. Let them get them over. Let New Japan do the dirty work. Let New Japan build them up for the next three, four, five years. Because if you're Tony Khan, you can sign Clark Connors whenever the fuck you want. You don't have to take him now. Wait till he's a star. Wait till New Japan makes him a star for you. Then you go and get him. Like Will Ospreay. When Clark Connors makes himself too big, if Clark Connors one day is too big of a star for New Japan to afford... And he can come in and make a difference right away because he's already over. That's when you sign him. You don't sign him now because you, you got to do the work to get him over because he's not over. He doesn't mean anything. So, you know, from that standpoint, if I'm Tony Khan, I don't even bother. Now, if WWE likes these guys, of course, they'll sign him for $60,000 and stuff them in the, in the fucking in, in the closet with Jade it, down in, in fucking Orlando is what they'll do. Now, Jade got real money. She didn't get 60000 But guys at this level who aren't over... These guys are going to get developmental contracts and they're going to, you know, it's going to take them six months to get to TV. Then they're going to be in NXT for five years. And, you know, they have to decide, is that a good career move for me or is sticking with New Japan for similar money and a better career? You know, and that's up to them. That's up to the individual talent. So my gut is the vast majority of these guys, if not all of them, spend another year in New Japan and then we're going to play this game all over right. again. You have any other thoughts on these guys? None. Yeah, and, and the reaction is 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 strange too because it's like it, it goes on all different sides of people freaking out and doing New Japan doomsdaying about this. Oh my God, how are they going to lose more guys? And it's like, come on, we got we New Japan fans got to be better about this because they either just don't. I, I don't. I, it, it's a very strange thing, but yeah, we we do this every year and we're going to do it every year. And I, I I guess I've given up on on people getting smarter about it. And hey. Credit to those guys. They're getting their names out there. They're getting their contract out there. And, hey, you never know. <laughs> Somebody might. It, it doesn't hurt them at all. doesn't hurt this. them at all. Maybe someone gives them an offer that they can't refuse. Maybe WWE goes, oh, you know what? Let's look at this Gabe Kid guy. and gives him a huge offer, and he takes it. You know what? Good for him if that's the case. But, yeah, it makes, yeah. makes all the sense of the world to do it, uh, all the sense of the world to try it. Um, but yeah, people just need to realize what the score is and, and, and what, or maybe Alex, maybe Alex Coglin doesn't like 14 hour plane trips. And if TNA gives him the same money, he would take it. Right. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know what these what's in these guys' heads. So anyway, that's the, that's the group 
of New Japan free agents, which, you know, whether it ever gets reported or not, it's the case every single year. Um, they obviously booked Riddle. Now, Riddle also worked MLW. He won his match at the pay-per-view. So, look, I don't know if Riddle is signed to any of these places, whether it's New Japan or MLW, but he's certainly working both of them now. I think we've talked about Riddle before. To me, the guy's not worth the trouble. He's a ticking time bomb. All the talent in the world, obviously. The guy's great. He's a great pro wrestler, okay? But he's a ticking time bomb. He's got tons of baggage. As a promoter, I wouldn't trust him. And I can tell you right now, Tony Khan must feel the same way. Because if Tony Khan wanted Matt Riddle, he'd be working there right now. And he's not. Matt Riddle disappeared for a while and popped up in New Japan and MLW. So if AEW was going to be on the table, he would have been there already. He never got the call. That's my stance on it. What do you think? Yeah, it never looks like they even kicked the tires on it, too. It was never even rumored. It was never even put out there. There was never any, like... The guy's bad news. He's bad news. I, and, and I agree. And I'm 100% the same way. I, I, I think, like, you know, if... if places like MLW or impact or new Japan for wrestling want to book the guy like, you know, from my standpoint, it's like, all right, well, I'll watch him wrestle. Cause you know, why not? He's, 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 he's a, a, still a very good wrestler. But if I was running a company, hell no, no, it's just not worth it. Too much baggage, too much backstory, too many, too many different things. Like Japan, you have the aspect of, of, you know, the, the their policy on drugs in, in, in that country or whatnot. Like I, I don't know, man. That that just seems like a lot can possibly go wrong with this guy. And yeah, I, I, I'm I'm fine watching him on MLW and Impact and all these sort of things. But uh, yeah, no. If I was any of these companies, I, I would not sign him to any sort of long term deal. If you want to come in for a couple dates, sure. Uh, but no, he's not a guy that I I, I invest yeah, in I, or push or give a title to or any of that sort of stuff. Personally, I wouldn't book the guy at all. I just I would be hands off. Um, you know, he's not that big of a star where he's gonna, you know fill up a 5,000 seat building. Yeah, I don't think he's a draw. I don't think he's size. a draw at all. I don't know if you, um, I don't know that if you put Matt Riddle on a marquee that it's going to make people buy tickets or go see it really. I mean, I don't even think it's worth it to hold your nose and sign him. I really don't think it is no. because he, and, and then the potential PR night, you know, he's got the accusations first of all. Okay. Then he had the, the weirdness on Twitter with the airport thing. Um, you know, he, he hangs out with some people. Look, the, the, the whole a lot energy around of, him yeah. is... <laughs> There's a lot of smoke. A lot of smoke. Too much smoke for me. I mean, you, you're really gambling on that. Even if you can hold your nose and set aside all the other stuff that we already know, you know, in a lot of ways, it's a ticking time bomb. To me, he's not worth it. But, and again, I don't know whether either of these companies have him signed or if he's just doing dates. I don't. I don't have a clue. So um, Queen Amanata has officially signed with AEW. Uh, they did not give her the graphic, but Fightful did some digging. Look, this is why I suspect that Brian Keith is also signed. Guys at TV every week. I think they're just waiting for these people to win matches, and right. then they're going to give them the graphic. Right. Brian Keith's going to get that big moment. He's going to get a big win, and then, you know, they'll they'll stop everything and 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 – Tony Schiavone will go in the ring and say, Brian Keith, you know, the, the outlaw, and then, you know, points at the screen and, and it'll say Brian Keith's all lead or whatever, and he'll shake Tony's hand and, yeah. So I agree. Dragon Gate. Here's a curveball for you. Uh-oh. Dragon Gate is sending Mochizuki Jr. on excursion to British Kingdom Pro Wrestling. I saw that. First of all, Get Ian Hamilton on the line. I don't know what British Kingdom I've Pro Wrestling I've never is. heard of British That's Kingdom Pro Wrestling, one. yes. Um, but, yeah, so he'll be spending, I think, three months. And he's already booked for WXW for 16 Carat, I believe. So so they are the former. Do you remember 4FW? 
Yes. That's them. Okay. This is their new name. So he'll be getting bookings all over Europe, I would assume. You think Rev would touch him with the New Japan relationship? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't would, think New Japan would give a shit. I right? don't think they would either. Yeah, I, I don't know. You have to ask somebody that's more in tune with with Dragon Gate. I don't know that like New Japan would give a shit about Dragon Gate. I'm not sure Dragon Gate gives that much. I I feel like those two are are such they're not competing in the same way that maybe they were competing even even ten years ago or whatever. I don't know that either party cares to be honest. Especially if it's Red I Pro, it, I don't think anybody. Would I care. think I think New Japan might say. I think you know they might say like, all right, well, Mochizuki Junior is not beating Tomohiro Ishii. We're not right, doing right, that. right. He can't but, beat our guys, but we don't care if he's on the undercard and Ishii's in the main event or whatever. I, I think Callum that would be... Newman is there. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. It's so, um, yeah, so it's a good spot for him. You know, I, I'm all, I'm always in favor of these excursions. I think it's very beneficial for these guys to go work other places, stretch their legs, do some different things. Um, you know, so good for him. A.J. Francis. Oh, baby. F.K.A. Old top Frank. dollar. Yeah. He's coming to TNA. Yes, he is. At least for one show. I don't know how many more shows. I did see old Frank saying on social media that, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, GCW puts me on a poster. Their social media blows up. TNA puts me on a poster. Their social media blows up. Do you see a pattern, people? So listen, he's laying down the hammer. There Maybe it is. Tony just can't get the deal done. Maybe Triple H has been begging to get the old top dollar back, but he's playing hardball because he's a needle mover, Rich. Yes, he is. Yes. A needle mover. He uh, A little bit of a, a preview to our preview. He's going to uh, debut We Outside, him and DJ Woo Kid uh, at TNA's Hard to Kill pay-per-view. Uh, we Outside with the S replaced by a dollar sign will be debuted. Uh, there, but uh, he did go on uh, hey, Busted Open Radio. Is hold on, a, okay, yeah. Is that a song or a match? What is that? Uh, that is a song. It is a music video. Oh, so hold on a second. They're not wrestling. He's not wrestling <laughs> a match. I I don't think so. But I, as I was going to say, he was on right, Busted ahead. Open, our our favorite uh, SiriusXM wrestling uh, related show. Uh, he was on Busted Open and said, "Quote: There's this guy named Bully Ray that I definitely know. I could make some money with Tommy Dreamer for sure. We've got Moose." For sure. Chris Bay, for sure. Sabin, for sure. Some of the best of the best in the business are in that company. Trying to think of a match on this planet I'd want to see less than AJ Francis versus Tommy Dreamer. (laughs) Versus Tommy Dreamer. I I honestly bully Ray Top Dollar would that'd be okay. Cause, you I know, gotta give that the edge. Because yeah, because Francis would come out, he would do his rap thing, and Bully Ray would just sit there, you know, annoyed, and then grab the microphone and be like, "Are you fucking done or what?" You know what I mean? Like, so that would at least be funny. Like he'd be annoyed and cut a dumb promo about it or whatever. Tommy Dreamer and AJ Francis, man, who boy, no, no, thank you, not interested. All right, so Not at least he's, he's he's talking about potentially wrestling. He said he will also do intergender with uh, Trinity Fatu or Jordan Grace too. So uh, says oh, quote, I feel like we could do some good work there. He said about Grace. So there's a lot of people in TNA that I'm very much looking forward to working with because there's so much talent on the roster. People don't understand the casual wrestling fan that only watches WWE and doesn't watch TNA doesn't understand how deep and talented that roster is. The sky is the limit in TNA, and I'm very much 
looking forward to it. That is from Busted Open Radio, as well as Wrestling Inc., who aggregated that. So well, good job, well, Wrestling well, listen, Inc. Well, listen, if he doesn't have a contract, he clearly wants one. So that, you know, you can't put a company over stronger than that if you're going to go on a radio show. And he basically put over the whole fucking roster and said he wants to work with him. So, uh, you know, we'll see. I will fucking die if he's their big signing that they've been touting. I will fucking die if if they've been touting this uh, big time money free agent that uh, for the past three months and it ends up being fucking top dollar. Could you imagine Rich Grage after all that hype? That would be unbelievable. So uh, we move on from AJ Francis to TNA. Uh, Mickey James, Rich Krejci. I saw this. Has signed with OVW. OVW. Yes, OVW. OVW. An office position. She's the executive producer of uh, content or creative or something like that. Coming for Selena De Laurentiis spot as executive producer of a wrestling show. Some other title, too. So, um, bottom line is Mickey James is headed to OVW in an office capacity. And I'm sure that she'll get in the ring at some point and people will chant hardcore country for all 11 minutes of the match. Um, this was out of left field. So now I don't know if people realize OVW, they're like, they've got like some pretty decent television exposure in the United States. That, but nobody, and I mean nobody, never watches, a word. Even us, or, yeah. even us who make it a mission to talk about MLW and NWA, I have never, I haven't watched a second of Ohio Valley wrestling since, I don't know, 2004, maybe. You know what I mean? Like when, well, <laughs> once Randy Orton left, I think that was about it when Levi- Leviathan was gone. I was pretty much done. I mean, that that's, that's what you got to, it, it's all the way back to that. I have watched it, and it is fucking brutal. I much like women of wrestling. I couldn't watch it ever again. It was that bad. And I'm someone who just yesterday binged watched a month worth of, of Billy Corgan's and, and I cannot watch OVW. So that just tells you how bad it is. So it's an atrocious promotion. It's terrible. Everything about it's bad, but uh, who knows? Maybe Mickey James will go in there and she'll be fucking, you know, George Scott with the pencil and turn things around. But, uh, I'm not. I'm not banking on it. Yeah, but, I wouldn't. Uh, it's interesting you know. that uh, WWE didn't come calling with all this there, and and her always seeming like she had the open door uh, to go back there. It does seem like uh, that open door may have closed. So yeah, but they 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 sent her her clothes and they sent her her belongings in a garbage bag. Don't you think she would hold a grudge and not want to go back, Rich? Um, I believe she came back <laughs> after that. Oh, okay, <laughs> a couple okay. times. So yeah. <laughs> while I agree that I would hold a grudge if somebody did that to me. Um, she did not, and her husband works there now too. So, um, she not only went back; she went back as Impact Champion and got thrown out of the Royal Rumble in eight minutes. Yes. So, do you remember that that month when when they announced that Impact Wrestling's Mickey James is going to be a part of the Royal Rumble, and people lost their fucking minds, saying, "Oh my God, we're going to see uh, the the Forbidden Door of Wrestling is now open. WWE and TNA are going to work together." We're going to get Moose versus Roman Reigns. We're going to get this versus that. And we came on the show, and we're like, people, people, people. They called Nikki James and said, hey, Mickey, we need you for the Rumble. And she said, ooh, just so you know, I'm in Impact right now, and I'm their champion. They went, ah, shit, all right. Uh, we'll get someone to call Scott and see you. And then Scott Demore said, ah, yeah, sure. Can you just say that she's from Impact? And they said, sure. And then she came out. They said, yeah, she's from Impact. And they tossed her out in eight minutes and never spoke of the relationship ever again. 
And uh, Roman Reigns and Moose never happened, believe it or not. So Josh Alexander versus Seth freaking Rollins never happened. No, they uh, they just threw Mickey out, and that was the end of it. So, just like we said would happen. Yep. And then those same people buried the AEW Impact relationship. Yes, which was a real which was a real relationship. Yes, where where wrestlers did go back and (laughs) forth and and wrestle in each company. Right. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that was um, yeah a, a wild, wild time to to be around. So real quickly before we get uh, out of uh, contract season, do you have any other surprises for me, or, or or is that the end of the surprises of contract no, season? No, you know what? I got you, pal, because you tried to give away all of my hot seats. <laughs> you got a few out there, yeah, a few that I wasn't that ready I, for that I that I aggregated. Okay, and now and then I threw you some curveballs that you didn't know were coming. So I, I, I'm pleased with that. Now, I know you have a few, so go ahead. Uh, so the things I want to talk about real quickly were executive-level changes for, for WWE and AEW. Uh, we did not talk about this a couple of weeks ago, but obviously Kevin Dunn, uh, who had been with WWE since, God, 1982, 83, 84, somewhere in that range. I mean, obviously, a very, very, very long time uh, with, with WWE uh, left. You know, Obviously, he was at an executive-level position and uh, leaves a very, very rich man, so don't... Uh, don't feel bad for him in any way, shape, or form. A very, very rich man. But, uh, yeah, uh, Kevin Dunn leaving obviously left an indelible and awful mark on, uh, on pro wrestling history uh, with uh, pretty terrible production, I would say. Uh, I- I'm more than happy to, uh, to say that he's been a net negative uh, for wrestling. I know some people don't think that, but I think the way he shoots wrestling sucks. I think the way he directs wrestling is terrible. I think most production of wrestling is pretty terrible at this point, and it's gotten worse under his uh, leadership, and now everybody kind of follows that because they're the market leader, and they've been doing it for a while, and they've been doing it for 30 years. Now, there was a time where I believe he was revolutionary, obviously in the 80s and the stuff that he was doing there, but um, time and time again over the last you know decade, two decades or whatever, I think he's been a net negative for the industry, and uh, everybody kind of chases that production style now, and I think much to their detriment. I, I've seen it with AEW, of course, you know, with, with you know Mike Mansory, who, who comes in you know under the Kevin Dunn learning tree, and a lot of Kevin Dunn's approaches to shooting and directing and producing wrestling, which, you know, most wrestling fans might not know, but those of us that have backgrounds in video and production and that sort of stuff can, can kind of see these things have, I think, been net negatives for, for, for AEW in terms of the way that the sets look, in terms of the way the things are shot, in terms of the way backstage segments are shot and produced and how often backstage stuff like is that all Kevin Dunn? I don't know, but like it's it certainly he has sort of dictated the way that wrestling looks and feels and uh, on television for decades and decades and decades. And I think he's been a tremendous net negative to, uh, to, to wrestling production. So um, also probably not a very good guy either. So glad to see him uh, depart. Uh, so he is done. Uh, he leaves WWE uh, in his place. Joe Lee fitting Lee fitting. Before has, you talk about yes. Lee fitting. Can I talk? Can I say something about Kevin? Dunn? Sure. I think we all kind of figured this would happen once there was enough distance between Vince not really being around anymore and, and, and TKO taking over because Dunn really was a relic from the previous era. And, you know, it's triple H is going to want to get his own vision out there and not just the creative, but in every facet of the company. So I was not surprised. Can you say you were surprised? Oh, God, no. No, I felt like I I was surprised he lasted as long as he did. And there must have been. It was probably just they wanted to hire the right guy to fill in or the guy that they felt was ready to go or he felt that they were ready to go or he was able to get things in place for for him to leave. Like, I still believe that he probably wanted, you know, to leave on, on, you know, with with things tightened up or or put together well enough that, that, you know, he could leave without, you know, it coming complete, you know, 
falling apart or whatever, you know, just leaving in the middle of the night and saying, I ah, fuck this, I'm out of here. But I thought the second that Vince was quote unquote out of power, the second that this merger happened, I felt like Kevin Dunn was 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 gone for sure. So do you think they managed him out and made his life hell? Or do you think he just looked around and said I bet he just mm. looked around. I, I bet he just looked around. I also think that there was um him didn't, and, wasn't there some? Didn't he chatter a bit that he didn't like some of the things he was asked to do? I think or so. I yeah. No, I think you're right. And I know that him and 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 Paul Levesque have never really seen eye to eye, and that that goes back decades. That they have always kind of butted heads a little bit. Uh, yeah. Kevin Dunn, very much a Vince McMahon guy, 100 percent Vince McMahon's dude. You know, he 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 was hired under Vince Senior, uh, and then was Vince Junior's you know main production guy. Him he and rose up the ranks from right. literal. From like an hourly employee right. to where now he's where he's a multimillionaire. Yeah, multi, multi, multi-millionaire. Very, very, yeah. very wealthy man. Uh, but no, him and, and Paul Levesque never saw an eye. So I, 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 I bet it was a little bit of needling here and there, and then him just looking around and going, you know what, this is over. I'm done. So I'm out of here. So his replacement, go ahead. Yeah, his replacement is Lee Fitting. And here's uh, from Stanford, Connecticut. Press release from WWE. Uh, WWE, uh, part of TKO Group Holdings, today announced that media industry vetting uh, veteran Lee Fitting has joined the company this week as head of media and production. Uh, Fitting brings more than two decades of production experience to WWE from ESPN, where he oversaw production of tentpole properties, including Monday Night Football, College Game Day, the College Football Playoff, and many other properties within the Disney portfolio so that's they get a guy outside of the wrestling industry lee fitting who was doing stuff with Monday night football college game day the college football playoffs and those are good credentials i mean those are really really good credentials and it's another sports guy you know another guy from the sports tree and of course nikon you you see you, you know that this is a like you know i, I don't have to be this says this says nikon <laughs> i don't have to talk, i don't know i mean come on i don't know their direct connection but jesus christ this is a nikon hire for sure yeah, this is this is now being run like a legitimate company and not Vince McMahon's little sandbox is right. what it comes down to. And, you know, that's the Nick Khan effect. So uh, you're going to get real people in there, you know, real professionals from the real world doing some of these real jobs. And this is an example. I think this can be nothing but a potential positive. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing but a potential positive to get a different, fresh perspective on how to present these shows and, and, and product, you know. And and as we said, you know, Triple H, maybe some of his ideas for, for production and whatnot won't be met, you know, with this brick wall. And look, even done, I mean, when you work for one guy for 30 years and that guy is very receptive to your ideas and and it's 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 your ball game, uh whatever you think of Kevin Dunn's production, it's not easy to just work for someone else who has a different set of eyes and and wants different ideas. And you're like, well, what the fuck? You know, I've been doing this my way for 30 years and I've been told that I'm great at it. So I could see why Dunn wouldn't want to be around anymore. But as far as for the viewer, as far as for the fan, how this will affect you, the listener, I think it can only be positive. Right. I mean, WWE production, you know, it, it's this weird thing where it, it got all of this praise. And yes, it looked professional and it, it never looked cheap or anything like that. But it was also one of the things that I hated most about the company all of these years. I Their production was very off-putting to me, you know, and we talked about it tons over the last 12 or 13 years. So anything new and different and a different approach, I am begging for someone to produce pro wrestling differently than it's been produced God, over the last three years. I, I, I've never wanted something more. So this, this is like, when I saw this news, I was so happy because I was like, thank God, hopefully somebody comes in here. Hopefully this Lee Fitting guy comes in here with some different ideas, some different camera shots, some different production. 
God damn it, do something different. All of pro wrestling has looked the same for 20 years, 30 years. Everybody's got the same thing. Even AEW, who at a certain point did look different. Now they've kind of succumbed to, all right, our entrance is just a big wall of videos. And here's people backstage looking shoulder to shoulder with each other to talk. And, oh, now they're looking at every part of it with the monitors looking and the video boards and the rope colors and the colors palettes and every and the camera shots and the hard cams and it's all the same shit over and over and over again. And the way that it progressed in the 80s, the reason that pro wrestling production got to where it got to in the 80s is because a lot of people were in charge of sports broadcasting. We're in charge of this. We're in charge of that. We're not from the wrestling business. So they came in with a whole bunch of new ideas. And that's why world class looked different than Georgia. And that's why Georgia looked different than Continental. That's why Continental looked different than, than you know, than, you know, all these things, places look different. Mid-South looked different than all these other places. They all looked different because it was all different. It was. Memphis looked nothing like, you know, like Continental. You know what I mean? Like all these things were different. And that's, I think, what helped so much is that it was all these different people. And then little by little, it's all been kind of sanitized because WWE is the market leader. So we got to do what WWE does. And when Nitro started, Nitro was very different. Nitro did a lot of really, really cool and very different things. A lot of things that WWF did did eventually kind of take over and say, yeah, this is not a bad idea. We're going to take this. ECW, when ECW started, had a lot of very different ideas of how to produce wrestling and, and whatnot. But once WWE won the war in 2001, it pretty much only became that. And now pretty much every other wrestling company since then has just produced television exactly like WWE and exactly how Kevin Dunn wanted to produce it. So I am very, very excited just to see something different and hope that it is different and changes and that hopefully it raises the bar of all wrestling production. And hopefully just I just want it to look different. I want to turn on a Raw and for God's sakes have it look different than it's looked for the last 30 years. And it just hasn't. God, you, you turn on a show from 2006, and you turn on a show from 2019, and you turn on a show from 2024, it's going to look pretty much exactly the same, and that sucks. And, and, and that's across the board in all wrestling, so I'm very happy and excited to see uh, if, what happens here. Now, I don't know. Who knows what this guy's going to do, but uh, I do think, like you said, it's, it's probably net positive uh, for fans. Uh, AEW, they have a new chief operating officer, a new COO in AEW. Kosha Irby has been hired for the role, he is the uh, he was f- uh, formerly the regional director of live events for WWE from 2011 to 2018. So his role will be COO, and he'll be in charge of a bunch of different stuff uh, there in, in in AEW. And he'd been working as the chief marketing officer for Clemson University's athletic department uh, since February of 2023, and uh, did a few other things. We did, worked with the Memphis Express AAF uh, team. Remember the. AAF, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. He was also ah, yes. the chief marketing officer for the Professional Bull Riders <laughs> LLC uh, from 2019 to 2023. But uh, yeah, well, that's a TKO. Isn't that a uh, Endeavor company? Endeavor. Owns they that yes, I thought we talked about that a couple weeks ago. That that's an Endeavor uh, related. Uh, um, I think they own that. Unless there's a different bull riding they circuit. Do. No, they, they do. That That's them. Yeah. Okay, that's the one. Endeavor, yeah. IMG, so. whatever. Yeah, I think they started under IMG, but then I, Endeavor bought IMG or whatever. So, yeah, that, that's who they are. So, uh, he's kind of been in that system, in the Endeavor system for a while there. Obviously, he was regional director of live events 2011 to 2018, did the professional bull riding stuff. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Um, I thought he was just taking the job that. Um, I the other guy's name is slipping. Uh, uh, Raphael Morphy is who you're thinking of, I believe. Yeah, I thought he was just taking his job, but and maybe he is, but he just has a fancy title too. Yeah, because Raphael was uh, a vice president and chief marketing officer. So he did he did the he did the lot he booked the buildings right in layman's terms he 
he booked the buildings and the, his big thing was grand slam was his idea the arthur ash stadium yeah. was his idea and he got hired by barclays thought, he's gonna he's gonna work with the barclays center in brooklyn now yeah because he's a new york guy he's an east coast guy but i thought that was brilliant because i had never even thought of possibly running arthur ash and that has turned out to be a massive success i can't believe no one thought of that before that guy did it's just tailor-made for pro wrestling and i think um other tennis stadiums should be looked at you know um you know internationally even although i don't think the grounds of wimbledon would welcome their (laughs) down their noses at the uh pro wrestling you know (laughs) could you imagine i don't think so so, all all the all the wrestlers must wear white when they compete (laughs) on the on the hollowed grounds of the Wimbledon. that would rock actually pretty cool yeah but uh but yeah that was a stroke of genius and a great idea I thought this guy was just stepping into that role since he did a similar job when he was with WWE, but maybe he's got some other responsibilities. It seems like he's done other facets of marketing. With yeah. Some of these other jobs. He's it looks had. like he's going to have a little bit I, more marketing aspect to him. And it does feel like that. He's also being there to replace uh, uh, Dana Massey, who, who obviously she left as well. She was the turning two jobs into one, right? I think she was, let me get her exact title here. I think she was chief. Marketing, marketing and merchandising officer. So she also left. So it does feel like he's either overseeing both of those jobs or he's taking out both those jobs. So we'll see, I guess, what. Uh... Yeah, sounds like. Uh, but look, I saw some people saying, like, ah, another WWE hire. This guy's like booking buildings. Like, you know, like, I don't know. That doesn't. You know, I don't want WWE people in creative. I don't want WWE people in production. The guy booking the buildings. Some lady working in payroll, I don't give a fuck where they work. That doesn't affect the on-screen product at all. So, you know, I know he also had the tweet putting over Vince McMahon, but look, you know, it's, he probably knew the guy, you know? I'm not defending Vince McMahon. Of course I'm not. You, We've got years of audio. <laughs> yeah, okay, we're I'm not, not the place that does that. Okay, yeah. so that's not, but 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 as I've always said, if if you have a personal relationship with the guy, I give you a pass. I, I, I It's different when you know someone. That's all. I mean, you know, so this guy fires out a tweet calling Vince. Now, the the problem was he quote tweeted some, like something that had the allegations. In it. Uh, yeah. So, so just to That's let you know, issue. yeah, the issue was the Wall Street Journal said breaking Vince McMahon is retiring as chief executive of WWE. The announcement comes after the company disclosed an investigation into his alleged sexual misconduct, and this guy said you can call him whatever, just put legendary in front of it. Now that yeah, is see, not the that's, tweet. That's a little dicey. That's, that's not the tweet dicey. to do that. That's no, not the tweet. That's not the tweet to do that. No. The one you do it to is maybe Vince's little retirement tweet. The one, you know, after all these years, it's time for me to go home. Remember that one? Yes. Like maybe yeah. that one. That's maybe the one. Maybe that one. <laughs> the Wall Street Journal you know? saying this guy is retiring <laughs> due to an investigation into his alleged sexual misconduct is not the one where you say, ah, what a legend. Here's the flowers. Here's your flowers, sir. Yeah. <laughs> not the one. The tweet that says this man did a little raping. That's not the one where That's you say, not the excuse one. me, sir, legendary raping. Okay? <laughs> right. legendary hey, that raping. legend. Hey, he may have raped, but that guy's a legend. So you stop. All right. Yeah. 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 So that, that I think is where you lose me from. All right. You had a personal relationship with the guy. You, you, you know, you, you're not, you're a little, you're, you got blinders on intentional, but the, the tweet that he quote tweeted, it's a little not rough. the one. <laughs> that's a little rough. That's, you know, that's a bad job. You can't, you can't, that's a little rough. Uh, I admit. But um, as far as his jobs, they're not going to affect the on screen. So I don't really give a shit where he worked. From that standpoint, it doesn't matter to me. And I mean, for jobs like that, you kind of want to have people with wrestling experience. 
I mean, it helps that this guy has booked buildings for pro wrestling. If he's going to come in and book buildings for you for pro wrestling, he's got established relationships with people who run the buildings. You know, you can't be like, ah, well, he worked for the enemy. I don't want that guy. No, you got to leg up if you hire someone who already has his foot in the door and knows all of these people who who run the buildings. So, um, you know, it's 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 a little bit of the tribalism again. People get all fired up over things that, you know, that's not something to get fired up over. You know, it's just the guys booking buildings. He's not he's not booking the fucking he's not booking collision this Saturday. Yeah. Now, I, I think that AEW probably should be mindful of not uh, of hiring people outside of the business just because there's new fresh ideas. Just like we talked about with uh, this Lee fitting guy, getting a guy in who has only been doing college football and always been doing Monday night football. You guys have been doing you know, football on ESPN or whatever. There's new ideas that come. You don't always get new ideas if you're just hiring people from other wrestling companies to come in and, and help out with your wrestling company. I think it's a good idea to maybe grab people from outside of the business and, and, and whether it be concert promoters or, or other, you know, guys like, but he's been doing stuff with the professional bull riding and all that sort of stuff. And, and I, I, this isn't one that I get that upset about, but I do think AEW should be mindful of trying to get people from outside of wrestling as well to do, you know, whether it be production wise or a little bit of writing or whatever. I just think there's a little bit more. I, I, I just I struggle with the idea of just only hiring people that have been in the wrestling business before. I think that I agree you have to try when it that. comes to I agree when it comes to jobs that affect the on screen and the product. Right. hundred percent. Right. The guy that books where the next collision's gonna be, I don't give a shit. Yeah, I'm not that worried about that. Although I do wish that he would be open to booking different unique buildings too. I think that's one of the problems that I think AEW had in twenty twenty three was just booking insert whatever random basketball arena whatever town or whatever and i think there's so many cool venues and and different and unique venues out there that that felt like the lifeblood of AEW during the first couple of years is that they booked weird places that they were in strange places that you've never seen before like you know arthur ash that that's that's a guy who had to think outside the box to say why the hell have we not tried arthur ash and said oh yeah let's call arthur ash as opposed to just hey we're in x town so we go to x basketball arena in x town and then it's over You, you know i think that that would be you know different concert venues different theaters different arenas like that i think would be really really cool and and you know being inspired by watching the Daily's Play show last night and being like, yeah, this is cool. This is different. WWE would never do a show like this. This is a place to kind of book show. There's other places out like that out there that I that I, I wish AEW would be more mindful of or try to book a little bit more. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm not going to get too, too uh, <laughs> up in arms about this uh, 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 this guy. So there you go. That is uh, the executive level uh, movement going on in AEW and WWE. So let's. Uh, you want to talk about New Japan real quick? Of course, it's Let's, on the run sheet, sir. It is on the run sheet. So some uh, interesting lineups announced by New Japan uh, over the next uh, next month or so, basically, all the way up till end of February, actually. We have their, their biggest, uh, you know, business end of the cards here. These are not the full cards, but uh, just actually the matches that really, you know, kind of matter, title matches, singles matches, that sort of stuff. Uh, so you have January 13th. They're coming to San Jose for Battle in the Valley. Uh, that show features Okada versus Will Ospreay in your main event. That's a hell of a main event. The semi-main event, not to be outdone, Shingo Takagi and John Moxley. Man, I got to get to San Jose. This show sounds fucking incredible. Is that this weekend? What am I doing? Why am I talking this, to you? This weekend. The fuck yeah, am I doing here? Lineup. The hell am I doing uh, sitting here? I got to get to San Jose. How, how are tickets looking? Uh, let me find – yes. Let me yeah. actually well, – I, I meant to do that because I did want to talk about uh, – they. Uh, TNA Hard to Kill, which I think was able to get some pretty uh, decent ticket movement going. So let me, let me see if I can find out Battle in the Valley. So the, I'll, I'll, walk, I'll talk through the rest okay. of the cards. So uh, Okada, Osprey, and, and Takagi Moxley, I mean, you know, the top two matches are just look incredible. Fuck. But <laughs> then you've got Eddie Kingston defending 
one title, three titles. Joe, I don't Nobody know. knows. I don't know. Every Nobody week, knows. every week we get a, a Patreon comment to your Thursday Dynamite review or something I write that says, hey, so what's the deal with Eddie Kingston? I'm like, brother, I don't know. Ask Tony. Ask Tony. I, I, I no don't know. Knows. I thought I know. I have no clue. Every time I think I know, something else gets said and then I don't know anymore. Gabe Kidd says, so, like, I thought I had it, and then Gabe Kidd was like, yeah, I want that uh, <laughs> New Japan Strong title. I'm like, I, I don't know anymore. I don't know anymore. I don't know. So who knows? I don't know what it's for. I, I You know, I have no clue. I, we're only going to find out when Kingston loses a match eventually. Right. And are they going to hand the challenger three title belts or one title belt? A real curveball would be two title belts. I don't fucking know. I have no clue what this thing is, if it gets defended separately or together. People answer me when I ask with with supreme confidence, and they're full of shit because I don't believe anyone knows the answer to this. It's just a complete and total mystery. So Eddie Kingston will be defending something. I think we can confidently say that the New Japan Strong title, at minimum, is on the line in this match. Whether the other two are part of that, I got no fucking clue. The New Japan Strong women's title, Julia defends against Trisha Dora. And I guess at this point, we have to think that Julia could lose any of these matches at any point now because she's allegedly on her way out. So this could be a title change because when else would they have her defending this title? I mean, I don't know when the next American show. So, you know, she can lose any one of these. Then we have the strong open weight tag titles. Remember, Fantasmo and Hikaleo own both sets of belts, but they're defending them separately over the next couple of weeks. Yes. So they'll defend the strong. And that's not confusing at all either, Rich. It's, <laughs> it's, it's really great that New Japan, for some reason, has two sets of tag team titles. Um, so they defend the strong set of tag team titles on this show as I battle hiccups against Alex Coughlin and, uh, and Clark Connors. And then we also have David Finley versus TJP, because why the fuck not? And I think he's done with the ass wag or whatever. Because I think uh, he's advertised on all these shows just as TJP. Okay, so ass ass wag is is officially done. I think I think the ass wag uh, Filipino lore character. I think that's I don't I think that was just on the a, shelf uh, on the shelf for now. A wrestle a wrestle kingdom, kingdom special. Yeah, yeah, wrestle kingdom special. Uh, Battle of the Valley. Uh, this is January fifth, so I'm sure a lot of tickets have changed since oh, yeah. then. Uh, January fifth, it had uh, set up for 2099. Uh, just over 1500 had been sold, so only about 500 tickets were left. That's January 5th. So I'd imagine that a lot more movement has happened uh, it, 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 since then. So um, we'll see. I'll, I'll, keep, uh, I'll keep. How many did you say? They have sold 1,500 of the 2,099 set up. So only about 500 tickets were left. I, I would have guessed that they get to 2,000 pretty easily. They're going to sell most or all of those, yeah. I would say. Um, if they get to two, what was the exact figure? 2,099. Uh, 2,099. If they get to that number, that's only about 100 less than they did with Sasha. Yeah, I think that I think that show did twenty two hundred. So I don't know. Uh, I will say uh, two hours ago they uh, they just posted this uh, that they're coming to Chicago uh, Wintrust Arena. They're running Wintrust uh, for Windy City Riot April twelfth. Uh, set up for three thousand five hundred and thirty. They're just doing the lower bowl uh, of the Wintrust Arena already presale uh, ticket wise. Uh, One thousand two hundred sixty tickets sold. So they they've. Healthy, healthy uh, sale just two hours ago. I uh, have about 2,270 tickets left, but uh, that, that's a very good pre-sale number and uh, very well-priced tickets. So I think it, uh, it, that, that is a show that I think once I start announcing some stuff, I think is going to get 
pretty well. They've got 2,200 tickets out in Chicago already? Uh, no, they have 1,260 tickets. Oh, I sold. thought you said 2,200. No, no, no. Like, 2,200 is, is what's still available. But it's only been, the, it's only been the pre-sale, and that was two hours ago. That that So yeah. that, that number's probably even a little bit higher in terms of distributed, and it's only the pre-sale. So, uh, yeah, there, there's 90-whatever days until the show. It's in April. So, yeah, they got plenty of time to uh, to keep that going. Oh, they're going to put – they're going to put – yeah, they're going to put – over 2,000 people. In that easily, building. easily. Yeah, they're, they're trying to get 3,500. Right. I don't know if they're going to get to 3,500, but uh, eh, probably get pretty close. I, I'm surprised. that I was surprised they were running Wintrust. If they put a big match in there, maybe, you know, who knows? But, um, yeah, Battle in the Valley is stacked. So that's going to do about 2,000 fans, which is about what they did last year with Okada versus Tanahashi and Sasha Banks making her debut. Mm-hmm. So that looks like it's going to be a successful show. Those top two are big-time matches. So, you know, you would think that that's not even much of a surprise. So then we'll go over the big matches from the New Beginning Tour. The tour is loaded. The tour is loaded. It's a great tour. So uh, January 20th is New Beginning in Nagoya. <laughs> no, it doesn't start great. <laughs> Stick with us. If you're, if you're wondering, it's going to get great. I promise. Well, Nagoya's okay, so they're doing three four new beginning shows so they're doing a double shot in Sapporo at the end of February and they're doing Nagoya and um Osaka of course Nagoya is January 20th Osaka is February 11th so this Nagoya show is the smallest of the four um this will have the king of pro wrestling Taiji Ishimori versus Great Okan they did announce the stip you have it, or I think. Let me see if I can. Um, okay, so I, I don't know if they did. They actually agree on it. I thought both guys gave what their no, stip was going to be. Both guys announced the stips. Mm, okay. They have to vote on the stips, but both guys announced the stips. Um. Anyway, I'll keep. I'll move on. Yeah, I'll see if I can and find then, it. I, I saw it out there. So. Um. Okay. Here we go. Tonga, oh, you got it. All right. Go uh. Ahead. So Ishimori is going to do ten minute Ishimori ring fit match. Yeah. Well, no one knows what the fuck that means. So yep. okay. Uh, in this match, the last to hold the belt via decision after 10 minutes will win. Oh, so it's a fucking old WWF hardcore title. Yes. However, at three-minute intervals, both competitors will have to undergo 30 seconds of high-intensity circuit training. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, so he's fit, so he's like, I'm going to make you run and do jumping jacks right. and, and push-ups and burpees and yeah. stuff like that. So uh, there you go. Uh, Ocon, I don't know what Ocon is. Oh, he's doing a bull rope death match. Oh, that's Ocon. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, he's doing a bull rope death match. So they got a bull rope death, ma- death match and a 10-minute Ishimori ring fit match. Alrighty. Uh, never open weight title. Tama Tonga versus Evil. They shot an angle a couple days ago where, where House of Torture broke into the New Japan offices and removed Tama Tonga from the roster page. They've also stolen the physical title belt. So, uh, Tamatanga did film a uh, a promo today. I don't know if you saw that on his uh, on that he put out on Twitter, um, saying that Evil will pay for this. For right, and, and they show and they showed a video of Evil walking into the New Japan studio. <laughs> yeah, which is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah. The best part was people freaking out about this and different wrestling reporters being like, "I will look into this." <laughs> it's, it's, I don't yeah. know. They've all maybe been in on the work or whatever. I don't know. It's kind of funny to see it happen. I don't care. This stuff is funny. So it, it, it's fine. It's the most it's the most endearing evil in House of Torture been pretty much the entire time that they've existed. So, I appreciate it. So, Cork and Hall on the 23rd has Master Wato versus Show in a singles match. You know, there's a lot of just singles matches on this tour. Mm-hmm. 
Do you think that's the Tanahashi effect or maybe too much into that? I don't know. Maybe I'd like to think so. I like it. I think it's in new Japan. It, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's a rarity and it, it's better than watching a bunch of six man tags and you can work angles off of them. So I'm into it. So it's Watto versus show. And then, uh, for the junior title, the junior titles on the line, Despy's first defense is Yoshinobu Kanemaru. Um, that's a Corkin level defense, and Kanemaru hasn't really been in the mix for the singles junior title in a while. So, I, I, I'm okay with that program for you know a little Corkin Hall payoff. I got no problem with it. Um, the next night they come back again, Corkin Hall, Hiromu and Tetsuya Naito versus Sonata and Duki, because Sonata and Naito are not done with each other apparently so that feud will continue through this tour unfortunately thought we were done with sonata we spoke too soon we jinxed it and uh shota aminu versus ren narita so that's a pretty big singles match for those guys mm-hmm. in cork they've been feuding, in cork too that's one, cool in cork and exactly and they've been feuding and of course it's two of the you know next generation of guys two of the new musketeers and all that so they come back to Corkin on February 4th. Hanare versus Gabe Kidd. Jeff Cobb versus Alex Coughlin. Callum Newman versus David Finley. So Callum Newman getting a big singles match on a Corkin. And that is where the junior titles will be defended on the tour. Uh, Akira Francesca and TJP, no ass wag, versus Clark Connors and Drilla Maloney. So we're getting the rematch there from Wrestle Kingdom in Corkin Hall on February 4th. And then we have the Osaka New Beginning show. So this is one of the bigger ones. Mm-hmm. And I think there were some surprises on here that really, you know, people weren't expecting. Zack Sabre Jr. versus Brian Danielson. Who saw that coming? <laughs> Nobody. I remember when that got announced. I was like, okay. You know Brian Danielson got home. It was just like, I can't wait to go back to Japan. I mean, that we talked about it on the, our instant reaction for, for Wrestle Kingdom. The palpable obvious smiled i mean that guy was grinning from ear to ear you knew he loved it and you knew he couldn't wait to get back there so i bet he came home and was like fuck it when can i get back there and probably talked to AEW and said hey i, I want to get back there in february and they found this match and they and they're doing it and how what a it's not even the main event it's a semi-main event of the show that's that is a hell of a show saber and brian danielson is your semi-main event that's awesome yeah, so Danielson, you know, we all thought he was going to go work Wrestle Kingdom and then, you know, get that out of his system. He's flying right back, baby. February 11th, Osaka. It's in his blood so, now. He's not retiring. He's just going to become a fun New Japan Pro Wrestling regular, I guess. Yeah, so never open weight titles will be defended on this show. It's Tanahashi, Okada, and Ishii versus uh, TMDK. In this case, it is Nichols and Haste with Kosei Fujita. You know, Kosei Fujita is the guy we always forget to talk about. We talk about Suji and Aminu mm-hmm, and Uemura. Mm-hmm, of the young guys, yeah. You know, and, and he's part of that group. He just never went on excursion because Zack Sabre Jr. just grabbed him and said, you're, you're in TMDK now. He gave him a T-shirt, and that was it. And, you know, they elevate him at that moment from Young Lion to roster member. And he's in that same class of guys. And I love everything I've seen out of him. I think he has, you know, he's got some upside too, and I don't think he gets the same discussion that that the other four get. Uh, Phantasmo and Hikaleo defend the IWGP tag team titles. Remember, they're split against Chase Owens and Kenta. You know, I wasn't sure how they felt about Kenta. They didn't bring him in for Wrestle Kingdom. They haven't used him in ages, but... I guess he's still. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I never the, noticed that he wasn't there. Wrestle Kingdom. You're you right. Notice he's not around. He's yeah. on the fringes of the roster at this point. So, um, 
you know, I'm sure he doesn't mind. I know he lives in America. You know, I I know he probably doesn't mind flying back to Japan six times a year, right? To see family be back in fucking Japan. I don't know. But you're at the point where you're like tag teaming with Chase Owens. And they yeah. don't bring you in for, for the Rambo. Like, yeah. what are we doing here? Right? Like, they, it's, yeah. So, um, and then they're doing a cage match. Five on five cage match. Oh, this United looks Kingdom fucking awesome. This looks incredible. This is going to be so Again, good. It, it, is this the new Prez? What's happening? I don't here? know, man. But this is this is Osprey's final match, right? Or he he's, he said my final match in New Japan, whether that's you know contracted or or, or whatever. Because I, I assume he'll yeah. pop up back there again. But five on five cage, it has to end here. United Empire Bullet Club in a cage. Osprey, I mean, geez, these guys are gonna they're gonna bleed buckets. Osprey is gonna do a bunch of dumb shit. I dude, this is gonna be fucking incredible. It's gonna be so good, and you know, give it up for Will Osprey. This guy just signed a life-changing lottery ticket with AEW, okay? His life has changed forever. He is now a rich man, and he is going – he could He could fucking – he's going out New Japan against Okada and a cage match. <laughs> yep. He doesn't have to do this. He absolutely does not have to do this and put his body on the line because you know that Okada match is going to be balls to the fucking wall, okay? They're not going to hold back. And then, uh, you know, two weeks later, he's going to get in there in a cage and do God knows what inside of a fucking cage when he's got millions of dollars waiting for him a month later in AEW. You know, that's speaking of which I want to bring this up quickly too. Nick Nemeth took an Australia booking, which again is, look, that guy's going to get on an airplane for 15 hours. It's a long flight. Yeah. To work an indie show in Australia. This is more evidence that we talked about last week. He's serious about this. He could easily do the 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 Northeast fucking WWE nostalgia indies and mail it in and not take any bumps and just wrestle Enzo Amore from here until the end of time in, you know, Long Island, New York. But he's going to Puerto Rico where they're where, you know, he's gonna have to work those brawls and that's a that's a real place to work where you're gonna have to put some effort in. He's coming to New Japan, which we'll talk about in a minute, and he's go, he's flying to Australia. I mean, you know, this is a guy who I, I have a feeling he's gonna work hard. You know, it's it's you know, this is not the booking patterns of someone who wants to just make the easy money. No, By I, the way, he's hungry. He's hungry, I, and I love to see it. He's hungry. That's it. I had someone tell me, reach out. I saw. Uh, uh, Mustafa Ali, pretty expensive to get yeah. him to work your show. Let me yeah. just put it that way. Okay. Let me just put it that way. Mustafa Ali is not uh, rolling out of bed unless you write the big check. No brother, brother She's, discount. Uh, no brother, brother oh, discounts. No, 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 no. If you uh, if you have Mustafa Ali at work in your local indie, I would say go support it. <laughs> buy tickets buy tickets bring your friends bring your friends um february 4th cork uh, that's what we just did we just did that we did we did new beginning in in uh osaka uh new beginning in sapporo the first and it's february 23rd and 24th this is a weird november, show <laughs> this is a weird show <laughs> yeah very weird two nights in sapporo they go up there a couple times a year they sometimes they open up the g1 tour up there because they want to get it out of the way and then they come back down you know to their usual haunts 
Uh, this time of year, it might be some rough weather up there, huh? February 23rd in, in Hokkaido up in Sapporo. Yeah. That is it. They run into some snowstorms sometimes. Yes. There. Yeah. I get, to, I get a lot of uh, uh, Instagram. They must think I really want to be in like Northern Japan for some, because I get like my Instagram algorithm is just like, here's snow in Hokkaido all the time. And that's what I got in the last week is just snow in Hokkaido. So, uh, yeah, I guess it's pretty snowy there right now, I would assume. So, so that's where they're bringing in Riddle and Nemeth. Riddle against Tanahashi for the TV title and Nemeth versus David Finley for the global heavyweight title. Um, I thought Nemeth's promo when he jumped Finley at the presser was really good and effective. I thought his promo that he did with the backstage interviewer after he jumped David Finley at the presser was the drizzling shits. And I don't even think they should have aired it. I mean, I thought it was horrendous. So I'm not super confident that he's going to be able to handle promos without the WWE handholding. Here's what we want you to say. Here's how we want you to say it. Use our, you know, WWE cadence because he's one for two. And the one that was good was a fiery promo where you can tell he was channeling some real feelings because it was all about, I don't know if you saw it, but it was all about, he jumps Finley at the presser. He grabs the title belt and he's holding it up to the press and he's going, I have to prove myself. People have only seen me in one place, but Mm -hmm. I know that I can. And you could tell that that was coming from like a place inside where there was some reality in that. Like he was expressing some real feelings, right? And it was a really good promo. And then the one he did with the interview lady, I'm sorry, I don't know her name. She was working the Wrestle Kingdom uh, show and and she was there for that week doing the the English stuff. Um, And she was bad too. She was not very good, um, but he, this was more of a explaining his actions and he repeated himself over and over, almost like he wasn't confident that he was getting the message across that he was trying to get across. So he kept repeating it and my God, it was bad. I would have said, let's redo it. Let collect your thoughts. Let's send that message once. Stop repeating yourself. You know, let's figure it out. But, you know, you always see, even in AEW sometimes, sometimes I'll see a a promo and I'm like, why did they not just reshoot that? That was terrible. But these, you know, I don't know. Maybe they do. Maybe that's the best of nine terrible takes for all I know. But anyway, I thought it was hit or miss. And that's, I think, if if Mercedes Monet does sign with AEW, I'm concerned about her promos there. Uh, I'd be very concerned. Nothing, I have not heard her speak in a non WWE role that makes me confident that she's going to be any good. She was terrible in new Japan. Uh, anytime she was in stardom and talked, she was not very good thinking on her feet at all. She is not even average. She's bad. She's a bad talker. And in AEW, they don't hold your hand. You know, I could tell you some stories. Hey, you guys are next in the ring live. Okay. What do you want us to, what are we doing? Oh, you're a good talker. Just go out there and talk. I mean, that's a reality Mm -hmm. in AEW Mm -hmm. at times. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying every time. Okay. But would you trust Sasha Banks in that spot? Uh, No. No. You know, it's – you don't have the net, and you're not always, you know, given – like, you have to think – you got to come up with your – like like Nick Nemeth with that interview girl at Wrestle Kingdom. He's got to come up with his own words. And he he blew – he was terrible. 
let alone coming up with, he knew what he wanted to get across. He just couldn't come up with the words. So these people who came up in that system and don't know anything else, it's the promos I worry about even more than, you know, adjusting to a different working style. Nick Nemeth is a great athlete and a good wrestler. And I feel like if he, if he isn't acclimated right away to the working style, he'll get it eventually, especially if he's hungry. Mercedes Monet is great. We all know that, you know, and she had really good matches. I thought her, you know, her run wasn't awesome or, you know, but the Kyrie match I thought was really great and the other matches were okay. So I don't worry about that as much. The promos I worry about. Yeah. So I just thought of that with when, when Nemeth came up, but, um, Next night in Sapporo, Bushi versus Takamishinoku, Hiromu versus Doki, Yota Suji versus Yuya Uemura, and Shingo versus Taichi. Because remember, this is the just five guys and LIJ feud continuing on here on this tour. And the main event, Tetsuya Naito versus Sonata. So this is disappointing to me. I didn't want to see Sonata again. But could you imagine if he fucking wins? Do you think he has any chance? Uh, <laughs> I th- uh, can't write it off, right? Can't I, you write can't it. write it off, unfortunately. I mean, it's not impossible. And that, that's it's actually got me slightly worried, to be honest. Um, the fact that they're going right back to him does have me a little bit worried. So uh, I don't know if it's a clear, okay, he's lost and now he's in the rear view. Or, okay, you guys got the roll call, but now, you know, we're back. I, I, you can't write it off. It's, a, it's, it's not a zero. Pr- I wouldn't put it at, like, I don't think he's the favorite to win, but I don't know. 30% chance? Does that seem too high? It's too high for me. Too high? I mean, it's very I mean, high for me. My high, my rate would be zero if I was guessing, yeah, but I mean, if I was betting... 1% I'd... is too much of a threat. Yeah, to, yeah, to I agree. But it, it's it's ominous. I don't know why. It, it, it's ominous. Yeah, we got to move on from this. I he's He's got to just have LIJ sweep these geeks on this show. Just beat them all, and let's please just move on. Yeah. I... I I can't take it anymore. It's just not interesting. So, but a lot of big matches, you know, all, all these shows have some matches that you can sink your teeth into. And it's going to be interesting to see Riddle and Nemeth in those environments. And that's, uh, that's new Japan. All right. Um, real quickly, before we get to the last few topics that we have, uh, we have officially launched the match of the year for 2023. Uh, so if you were a previous voter over the last couple of years, or you've requested a ballot before uh, this week, you have received your ballot in your email this week. Uh, if you haven't, just uh, let us know or email uh, M-O-T-Y at VoicesOfWrestling.com, M-O-T-Y, match of the year, at VoicesOfWrestling.com, and let us know if you have not received your ballot. But uh, check your email. Uh, maybe go to your spam. I think most people, it shouldn't go in the spam, but if it does, it might be in there. Uh, but if you were listening to this and you were a wrestling media member, uh, you're a podcaster, you're a blogger, you're a reviewer, you do anything uh, in the pro wrestling media space and you want a ballot, you have not voted in the previous years, uh, definitely hit us up. Again, M-O-T-Y at VoicesOfWrestling.com uh, to request a ballot and we will get one to you. Uh, we'll uh, got about a week and a half or about a week uh, until next Sunday, basically. Uh, to send in your uh, completed ballots. But uh, we try to get as many people as possible. We've broken uh, records every single year with the amount of voters that we've had, so we'd love to do that again this year. So, uh, yeah, if you are listening to this and you're a wrestling media member, you haven't voted prior, but uh, you'd like to vote this year, uh, please, yeah, hit us up. You can comment anywhere. Ask any place that we check. Discord is a good place as well, voicesofwrestling.com slash Discord, and we will uh, send you over a ballot. And uh, you can vote on your top 10 matches of the year, uh, and then we'll do a rollout of every single match that received votes. Uh, Obviously, we'll highlight the uh, top 10 
uh, more than others. But uh, yeah, it's a really, really cool thing we do. It's one of the best things we do uh, at Voices of Wrestling. So I'm really happy to uh, finally be able to launch it again uh, this year. And uh, yeah, it's it's our 10th year as well. Did you, can you believe that? Our 10th year doing uh, Match of the Year. I was kind of blown away when I was like, wait a minute. Oh my God, it's been 10 years since we've done Match of the Year. That's wild. But uh, yeah. Yeah. 10 years. So there you go. That That's out there. Again, check your email uh, if you've been a prior voter, if you've requested one. But, uh, yeah, hit us up if uh, if you'd like another one or if you'd like a ballot or uh, you did not receive one in the email. Again, only wrestling media. So not just, hey, I listen to your show and I'm a patron. <laughs> no, wrestling media. you got to be doing a podcast. you got to be writing about it. you got to be reviewing. you got to be doing something in the pro wrestling media space. Uh, we are de- devoted to keeping it WrestleMania, uh, wrestling media only. Uh, we don't want fan polls because – Fan polls are usually pretty terrible. So uh, wrestling media only. Uh, Jeez, Rich. Jeez. Well, I mean, they're, ter- um, they're really bad. They really are. The, the point, the, see, I'll be a little more diplomatic. Okay. You know, we when we rolled this thing out 10 years ago, we just wanted to do something different. What What's the point of another fan poll when there's a million fan polls out there and there's more being added each year? So we thought it would just be more interesting to do – a media only poll because it gives a little different spin or wrinkle to it. You know, it's not because we're being douchebags and non-inclusive and looking our noses down on the common man, but there's a million different places where fans, where, where fans can vote for where I vote for, for there's other places where I vote for match of the year. So this is just different in that regard where people can say, Oh, okay, this is the, this is a media poll for match of the year, because why does the world need another fan poll? Where if we do a fan poll, you know, we might have, you know, the Venn diagram of people doing ours and people doing the observer, let's say, because I I would say that we have a lot of crossover listeners and readers. It might be 20 percent, 30 percent, 40 percent, 50 percent. So then at that point, what's the point? Like we're all we're just doing the same poll with the same people and getting slightly different results. So. Um, this one's a little different in that, you know, it's media people. And, and the other reason as, as we've never hidden before, um, you know, and, and full transparency, it's uh it's a great marketing tool because people from other outlets will do our poll and they want to show their ballots to their, to their readers, to their listeners. They want to brag about their ballots. They want to brag that they participated. They, they interact with us and, and then we get exposed to their audience. Right. And then maybe, you know, we pick up, uh, and then they may say, oh, what's this voice of wrestling thing? So it's one of the most successful articles we do every year. There's a lot of eyeballs on it. And um, I, I do believe it's one of it has been one of our best growth tools over the last 10 Absolutely. years. It's been a success from that standpoint and and has uh, has earned us exposure far more than aggregation ever did. That's for sure. So um, those are some of the more. Jeez, Rich just carpet bombing you guys with slander, with uh, you know the, the, the fan pools being garbage. But uh, but yeah, no, those are some of the the the, the legitimate reasons why you know the, with the mindset behind it. So, right, and we publicize everybody that you know you get a full list of everybody that voted, and if you send in comments, you get you know linked and whatnot, and and shout it out with your um, uh, with your site or whatever. So we try to make it, it 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 helps us more than it helps you, but it, it's symbiotic in a lot of ways. I think it helps everybody. Uh, a little bit more than aggregation does. So uh, that is that. That's our match of the year. Again, uh, it is launched. So if you voted prior uh, years, check your uh, email inbox. Uh, emails you voted with uh, uh, prior uh, that'll be there. But uh, it also, again, if you need to request a ballot, uh, just just hit us up on on many different platforms. There are many different ways, and then we'll get you a ballot. 
So real quickly, let's get through the last parts of this show here. Let's talk about MLW uh, King of Coliseum because we both watched that, so we might as well do that first. Um, You said, oh, boy, I thought this was a a fine show. I thought it was okay. Like like is strong. Like is strong. I thought it was a fine show. I, I did not hate my life while I was watching MLW's King of Coliseum on Triller Plus powered by Fight TV or whatever the hell. Uh, it is now. But, of course, this took place January 6th from where fucking else but the 2300 Arena, the residency that MLW has in this fucking 2300 Arena. But every time there's a whole bunch of fans there making a whole bunch of noise. I don't understand who these people are, but God bless them uh, for showing up to MLW's uh, 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 bi-monthly uh, premium live events or, or whatever. But uh, MLW King of Coliseum. Uh, do you want to go match by match with this or do you just want to do pithy thoughts about the show itself? We could do it quickly. First, the Matt, the Matt Stryker thing. Let's just get that out of the way. I mean, he made a complete fool of himself on the commentary in the main event. Now, look, here's the thing. Um, in pro wrestling, in, in pro sports, you're going to have to, if you're calling a match or a game, eventually you're going to come across an athlete who's a bit unsavory, who people don't like for a variety of reasons, or who, in Matt Riddle's case, have some accusations out there that are hanging over their head. And everyone, anyone reasonable, I should say, most people, 99.9% of the people listening understand that you have a job to do, okay? And it's to call the action. And as long as you stick to calling the action, nobody's going to get on your case, okay? Because you're you're not the one who signed the guy. You're not the one who booked the guy. You're not the one who signed the player. You're just there doing a job, and your job is to call, in this case, the show and call the match. Right. Matt Riddle, uh, not Matt Riddle, Matt Stryker decided for some unknown reason (laughs) to just go on this unhinged, rambling rant. Right, to get on a soapbox about Matt Riddle, of all people. Yeah, defending Matt Riddle's accusations, you know, and, um, you know, paraphrasing it. No one should care what this man is because look at what kind of a fighter he is and what an athlete. And this is such a great coup for MLW. Well, at one point saying, I know, I know that it's all about the court of public opinion these days. And that's just the world we live in. It's like, brother, you don't have to do all this. You don't need to do this. Just call the match. And no one. (laughs) And poor Joe Dabrowski, who's as professional as professionals go, is just like, oh, yeah, people say, yeah, all right. Well, Matt Riddle in the ring just trying to like deflect. I'm not, I'm not saying yes. I'm not saying no. I'm no, not ignoring just, you. I'm just, let's talk about the action of the ring, Matt. Here we go. Like... And the thing is, Riddle kept, uh, not Riddle, and Stryker kept going back to it. Right. Like he wouldn't leave it alone. And it's like, just a total own goal. You know, you don't, it's just, come on, man. And then he did apologize on Twitter a couple of days later. He said he was completely out of line. Well, he started by saying, I'm a heel and that's what heels do. And I'm playing a character. And then the next Bullshit. day said, nope, sorry. That's not a right response. That's not a good idea. I shouldn't have said that. I, I apologize. That wasn't right. And sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's, you know, he's just completely out of line. Call the, this action, is not a guy... call the action, brother. Come on. Yeah. And, and look, and he doesn't have a reputation for being Lance Russell. I mean, everybody thinks he kind of stinks at the job to begin with. And this doesn't help. You know, it's it's uh, I don't know what the fuck he was thinking. It's just, uh, you know, completely uh, it's just completely out of line. You know, it, ridiculous. It's the kind of thing that can cost MLW some business, too, if, you know, people are fucking annoyed by that. But um the mat, I mean, that was the best match on the show, though, by a mile. I mean, to me, nothing was even close. It seems like you like the show a little better than me. I, I didn't really like the rest of the show at all. I thought it ranged from 
stuff that was kind of just there to stuff that I'm just like, when is this going to... Do I really need two plunder death matches in a row? That I don't know. I would have split okay. those up. I would have split those up a little bit. While I did, enjoy, I thought both of them were pretty good plunder death matches, they should have been at different parts of the show. It was a little it's lot. too much. There's a lot to watch it's an hour much. straight of, of guys hitting each other with shit. What is this, GCW? I don't watch that for a reason. I mean, it was just too much. It was too much of it. Um, you, know, I, you know, I'm not watching Freedoms here, you know? Uh, so, yeah, split it up. I have no use for the comedy blindfold match. Oh. No use for that. <laughs> Love Doug and um, Brett Ryan Gosselin. Yeah, that was I, I the blindfold thing is like it's a weird gimmick that I hate. I hate blindfold matches. I think they're really dumb. They're terrible. They always start out okay because the fans are really into it for a little bit. And there's that first spot where like the the baby face is pointing and the fans are like, Yeah, 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 there he is. He's right there. Go, go, go. And then you realize like once you see that once. You're kind of done. Like WrestleMania 7, you had that Rick Martel versus Jake Roberts. And that was fun for like three minutes. And then you're like, all right, I, I get the idea. I get the shtick. Let's go. <laughs> it's like, I'm glad that this one ended in three minutes, but the shtick was already getting old three minutes in. So, um, and also it was really weird because Brett Ryan, if, if you didn't see this match, which most of you didn't see this, I'm, I'm saying it like you, me, and like two other people listening to this watch the show. So the gimmick was that there was a blindfold match or whatever. Um, Brett Ryan Goslin took his hood off while the referee was distracted and hit Love, Love Doug with a pair of brass knuckles. But then after like 35 seconds, Love Doug got back in the ring and then rolled up Brett Ryan Goslin and won. So it's like, I, okay. I don't know. I just don't have any use for these kinds of wrestlers either. No, and... Love Dog's a, a, a very, he's like the human Cupid or something like that. And Brett Ryan Goslin's like a superstar movie star guy. And it's, yeah, it's. It's not over good. the top cornball gimmicks and MLW is supposed to be where they call matches fights fighters. These are fighters. And, yeah. Upcoming fights. And, and Here's then, our upcoming fights that we're going to have. And the shows are upcoming yeah. fights. And it's like, all right, like it's a boxing promotion. And then you give us love, Doug, the human Cupid and <laughs> Brett Ryan Goslin, who's like doing a Ryan Gosling gimmick. And they're doing a blindfold match. And it's just because love, Doug has the hots for uh, Brett Ryan Goslin's uh, girlfriend. Uh, and he's been yeah. sending her love letters, and then it's yeah. so, it's so <laughs> it's terrible. And I don't know if you've been watching MLW. No, their, um... no, of course not. Why? <laughs> but so I have, and I watched Dear the God, holiday. No. no, I watched the, these shows. That's it. I watched the holiday rush show, the two-hour TV special they did from Melrose the Ballroom in New York, and and they did a little bit of this on this pay-per-view too. But they're taking on a lot of WWE production traits. A lot of the backstage stuff is shot the way WWE shoots it, where the camera kind of goes back and forth. And it, it's the invisible camera thing, yeah. you know, and the interviewer staring into space after someone answers, doing bad acting skits and things like that, where, where it's comedy, but none of it's funny. I don't know what they're doing. They have an identity crisis right now. You know, that's never what MLW was. And I know that the WT, the, the, the World Titan Federation thing they're doing but that's supposed to be a parody of WWE. Right. The stuff I'm talking about is they're taking on WWE style production. And man, I, I don't want to, I don't even want to watch WWE. So I'm definitely not going to watch it in ML. I will just hand wave the promotion. If this is the direction they're going, I, I, I hate it. Um, and it doesn't fit that the aesthetic that they've built for, for a number of years. And, and look, you could argue that, what they built isn't working so maybe they should try something else but this will be and that's fine but they're gonna lose me because i i really don't have use for dollar store wwe 
you know, so anyway, quickly go through the show and then we'll get to NWA and wrap this up. Uh, they six man opener. It was Alec Price, Dylan McKay and Marcus Mathers over Griffin McCoy, TJ Crawford and Tony Deppen. It just was a, an indie six man. You could see right. on yeah, you, you've seen show. this same it match was, a thousand times on every indie ever. Yeah. With the it, same people. With, with, with the same largely people. the same people yeah. too. Yes. Yeah. So uh, then it was Janai Kai well. defending the women's featherweight title against Hyper Maceo. I had never seen this Hyper Maceo before. I have a new least favorite wrestler. Oh my <laughs> yeah, God. For people that haven't seen uh, Hyper, uh, she comes out on a, uh, a bike and she's like a fake superhero. And she rides around in her little bicycle. And ah, the perfect a... Joe Lanza wrestler yes. right there. Yep. Yeah. Doing spots with the bike, too. Like uh, riding by on the bike and doing a really weak lariat that Janai Kai has to sell like she got hit by Stan Hansen. Yeah. Yeah. Shit like that. Um, uh, this was no good. Yeah. Because Hyper Masao uh, is not very good. And uh, Janai Kai, not exactly Minami Toyota out there either. So, uh, yeah, this no, was brutal. No. This was brutal. It's, uh, yeah, it, this Hyper Masao really she can get lost i i hope i never have to watch this person wrestle ever again and it's tokyo joshi pro right so i believe so um, yeah. i will never watch that promotion so hopefully <laughs> you know like mlw doesn't bring her back or anything and because this was not a wrestler for me i i didn't find her as annoying as uh who's the one i really hate um maki ito i think is the one you hate maki the most. Ito, yeah, yeah. Now, now look nothing's gonna be worse than that but it was close it was close. You know, this was like, uh, you know, WWE rolls out this gimmick every decade or so. You know, you had the right, hurricane. And, and Nikki, ASH, the hurricane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Rosie, the shit. Well, don't forget. Shit. Yep. Yes. Um, so, you know, they were going to do it with Pac. Remember? They were going to make him like a. Mighty uh, Mouse. Yeah. Vince, Mouse. Vince, Vince, Vince wanted that dude to be Mighty Mouse like four or five different times. <laughs> and then he must have thought he looked like a rodent. Yes. Like, he must have thought like his face was ugly or something. Well, and uh... wanted to make him a rodent. <laughs> um, well, listen, he's not the best looking fella. I don't know if he looks like a rodent, but, you know, I, but Vince thought he did, obviously. But um, anyway, I hate this gimmick. I hate the bike. And the less said, the better. Um, Tag team titles. This was the first of the two plunder matches. One called Manders and uh, Matthew Justice. They defeated the World Titan Federation interlopers. In this case, it was Tom Lawlor and Josh Bishop. I kind of yes, enjoyed right. this. It was fine. Yeah. I, I kind of enjoyed My- this. And the reason why is because Josh Bishop rocks. And you have Hyper Masao, you know, in the, in the match before, and she's cosplaying a yeah. superhero, and that fucking sucks, and I don't want to watch that. In this match, you had Josh Bishop cosplaying Sid, and I like that. <laughs> so he's basically just powerbombing guys through tables and then doing Sid taunts the entire time. So I, I appreciated that. He threw one called Manders, you know, through a table, basically missed the entire table, basically just powerbombed one called Manders from the ring to the floor, and then did that awesome Sid, you know, thing where he would get down on one knee and go, like, I'm the master of the rule of the world. World, like that sort of thing is so fucking rocked. Uh, so yeah, cosplaying Sid better than cosplaying uh, a, a superhero. Uh, so enjoyed that. But yeah, this was fine. But again, you've seen this exact same match a thousand times. Thirty years after Ian and Axel Rotten had their infamous Taipei death match in this same building, Ricky Shane Page and Akira at the uh, ECW Arena Taipei death match, and again, it was fine. It was actually okay. I actually enjoyed this match more than I enjoy. Probably 100% of Ricky Shane Page matches. This may have been the best Ricky Shane Page match I've ever seen because it was, at its core, it was a regular, it was just a perfect pro wrestling story. I mean, you have Akira, the, 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 
you know, blossoming baby face who's been held under by Ricky Shane Page. And now he's here to kind of break through and, 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 and get the big win against his former, you know, uh, partner and the guy that was holding him down and that sort of stuff. So it all kind of made sense in that sense. Like, yeah, you had the Taipei death match and yeah, they were hitting each other with shit. And there was a lot of standing around waiting for each other to hit each other, but they're both bleeding buckets and, and it still had a good baby face versus heel story. And then you had Sammy Callahan interfere and help Ricky Shane Page win. And, uh, I don't really need to watch Sammy Callahan and Ricky Shane Page ever on my uh, TV screen. I guess we, so. sh- we probably should have put him in the yeah, contract well, season roundup because sure. it looks like he's going to be a regular because he came out at, at later in the show too. Um, so, yeah, it was just too much plunder for me altogether. You should have stuck something in between, like you said before. It was it was poorly, you know, poorly put together in terms of of booking the show, but. Um, and the Akira Ricky Shane Page feud I thought has been booked well. Yeah, very. You good. know, so the, um, so then later on they brought out Satoshi Kojima, and he's going to be the next world title challenger. And remember, he held this title, uh, twenty one years ago. So he'll he will be Alex Kane's next challenger, but then Sammy Callahan came out again and had a pull apart with Kojima. So. We're going to get Kojima, Alex Kane. And, and if you're wondering, Sammy Callahan's just doing the same thing he's ever always done. He came out and was like, who the hell are you? Get the hell out of my goddamn ring, you son of a bitch. You fucking suck. And it's like, okay, cool, great. Love it. Spitting everywhere yeah. and drool, drool coming out. He's disgusting. Drool coming you're out. You're a piece mouth. of shit. It's like, okay, Sammy. Yeah. We got it, Sammy. Ah, I've seen that geez. same. I've heard that exact same fucking Sammy Callahan <laughs> promo. <laughs> it's Chicago. How God, many times? Every fucking A-A-W. month. Yes. For you're like years, you're like, like Doctor Keith. Enough! I did. Stop booking I this did. guy. I said stop. I started leaving. Please. I started leaving before he would get in the main I event. Know, yeah. boom, 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 boom. Thumbs up, thumbs down. I'm like, I'm out of here. I'm beating traffic. <laughs> I'm good. I don't need you're this like, shit. Yeah, you're like definitely thumbs down. <laughs> yeah, thumbs bricks. down. I'm out. Yep. So so much so that I believe they uh, they they uh, Doctor Keith. Uh, Got the pencil there and decided that they did a they did a switch a title switch where Pentagon Junior beat uh, Sammy Callahan uh, in a show that I left early uh, and I got a text yeah. on my way home. He said, "Are you already? Did you already leave?" And I said, "Yeah." And he goes, "Well, you yeah. missed Pentagon winning the world title." I was like, "Ah, fuck you!" And then they went right back to Sammy like the next month or whatever. So yeah, they probably booked that specifically. <laughs> yes, for you, I believe so. they may have, and, but uh, yeah, I, I saved but, a lot of know, time on the road, and you know what? I'm I'm fine for it. It's fine. Rich and Sean Sloan were in a booth at Denny's before Callahan. Was even over. <laughs> yep. 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 Basically how that, how that worked. Uh, so, and he, uh, listen, how can I say this? He's, uh, he's added some weight. He's a, he's a, he's, 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 he's added some bulk to the frame as well. Yes. Sammy Callahan. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. He's uh, and not not in the know. way that The Rock uh, adds bulk to his frame. No, no, it, this is not raw eggs in the morning and and, and hours in the gym. He is uh, he's not getting around very well. No, no, he getting. tore his Achilles. I think wasn't uh, it Achilles a couple years ago? And it's just uh, yeah, that and, help. and that's that tough, help. man. Yeah, if I tore my Achilles, I'd probably be pretty close <laughs> pretty quickly too. So uh, yeah, yeah, he it's just the problem is he's not moving around too good no. with all that extra weight and. Um, you know, he look, it was obvious he wanted into AEW. He was hanging around backstage. He's friends with Moxley. Clearly, Tony had no interest. Thank God. So, um, oh, my God. I, that's how bad AEW got for a little while there that I was like, fuck, they're going to sign Sam McAllen, aren't they? But whew, mm. we're good. Yeah. And, you know, it looks like he's going to be here because they're, you know, setting up programs with him. 
Uh, we talked about the blindfold match, and then it was uh, Alex Kane over Richard Holiday. Richard Holiday's part of the WTF faction. Um, what happened here? I can't remember. They just they had a kind a of a boring match, match, and Alex Kane just beat him. Yeah, the match wasn't good. Nah, the there was, was nothing boring. to it. Alex Kane just beat him. I mean, there 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 really yeah. wasn't much to it. I think if there was an angle afterwards, but there wasn't. There was the Kojima promo, is what it was, and then the main event was Matt Riddle and Jacob Fatu, which was to me easily the best match on the show. Um, you know, Riddle looked good. Fatu looked good. Fatu lost. Yeah, you got a rare but, you know, like loss, like a straight clean loss from from Jacob Fatu. Yeah, he um. You know, on the Holiday Rush show, he he beat Hammerstone in the main event, and they had a good match too. Well, it wasn't as good as their match last year, but you know, it was a good match. And then Hammerstone cut the big promo and said goodbye, so he is leaving. So I guess his contract was up on the first. They they they. So they got one more date out of him, basically. They got a couple more dates because he did the WTF gimmick. So. Or WT, yeah, World Titan. Yeah. So they worked that he was leaving, but that was really a storyline where he joined Mr. St. Laurent's fake promotion, which is invading. But now he's really leaving, and he cut the promo, and he put over MLW strong. You know, he said he had tryouts with everybody, but, you know, Court Bauer was the one who hired me, and Court Bauer gave me a 10-time raise when he didn't have to before my contract was up. I'll never forget that. Um, and then he said, you know, this might be my last match here. We'll see. And then he said goodbye. So I don't know. I guess he's going to try to see if he can latch on somewhere else. And if he can't, I'm sure that this place would take him back. I mean, you know, there's no reason they wouldn't. He's had a good run. Um, he's in phenomenal shape. I mean, he always is, but he's in like extra phenomenal shape. He's in AJ Styles, Randy Orton shape. Yeah. Oh yeah. My dress. <laughs> oh yeah. And, um, you know, Dude, so have you ever seen that guy in real life too? He's fucking massive. I haven't. I he's don't think I've so ever seen big. Him. God, he's fucking yeah, massive. So. It's so large. Um, and he's a passable worker. I would think that someone would take a you would bring. Oh him yeah, yeah. I think, I think he's solid. Yeah, I think he's solid. If I if I was so, like TNA or something, I would absolutely, absolutely, absolutely sign Alexander Hamilton. Yeah, it's it's weird. I mean, you know, he always seems to end up here, but you know, we'll we'll see what happens. But that was the show. I didn't think it was very good. Um, sounds like you liked it a little better. I thought than it was me. fine. Yeah, I, I I thought it was fine, but not necessarily like I, I didn't feel like I was wasting my time. But uh, not a show that I'll ever probably go back and <laughs> and think about or rewatch uh, ever again. Real, real quick, uh, February third, uh, they had their MLW Super Fight yeah. uh, show. Alex Kane versus Kojima, as we said, and then they're doing a CMLL Lucha Libre Showcase Spectacular Mystico versus Averno presented. Yeah, by Selena De La Renta. They did the big backstage thing with Selena and Rocky Romero, which Selena was terrible in. By oh, way. she was so um, bad. She was so I'm bad. I'm trying to figure out how to make money here. <laughs> she, she's yeah. on the phone, and it's so good. She's talking. To, she's on the phone, and like we don't hear the other side of the conversation. She goes, "I don't care how much it costs. I want 14 floors or 40 floors or something like that." She's just trying to order like something, and it's like, "What are you?" Doing? Oh my god! It's like because they're like, "Yeah, make sure." They, like, sound like you're having like a big business conversation whatever and then it sounded so ridiculous she talked about buying something that was like a hundred floors or whatever i'm like what is going on here this is so bad bad. that's what i mean they're doing wwe style backstage (laughs) yeah 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 and it's it's not good the poor rocky's gotta sit there and be like selena it's okay (laughs) it's like and you know with like the camera floating around (laughs) right 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 it's it's god it's so cringy 
But um, yeah, and then they did the tapings too, and then Kojima beat Callahan. He had to because he's getting the title shot. And um, the rest of the tapings don't look good. But whoever that listener was nailed it because you know Mance Warner is in fact doing the Good Brother Number Three gimmick because he lost the Loser Leave Town match. So that's what they're doing with him. Uh, there were some other Tokyo Joshi Pro ladies on the taping, if people are interested in that. I don't know who now Kakuta is or Moka Miyamoto, but if you're interested in them, they did work the taping. And um, yeah, so Mystical and Inverno, as Rocky continues to get these guys booked all over the place. So, you know, good for those CMLO guys. For sure. Uh, real quick, uh, let's let, let's real quickly do TNA, and then we'll we'll finish out with NWA. So TNA's got Hard to Kill coming up this weekend, uh, January thirteenth, uh, from the Palms Casino Resort in Las Vegas. I think they actually ended up getting a pretty decent crowd uh, for that show. It looked a little dicey a couple weeks ago, but uh, let me let me see if I can get the Russell ticks up uh, quickly. But uh, as far as the build to this, uh, TNA has not produced a new television show in a couple of weeks. It's been clip shows. I thought even this week was going to have something, and I turned it on to do you know, my job and say, yeah, I better, better get up on uh, the latest in TNA, and it was basically just clips from Final Resolution. So, um, yeah. They're... Well, the go-home <laughs> show is, is right. It happened tonight. Yeah, well, I was so, watching the go-home show, I... and it was clips. Oh, this is what you're saying? I thought yes. you meant YouTube. No. Oh, great. Okay, fantastic. Sounds awesome. So I had um, it on, and I'm like, wait a minute. These are just clips from Final Resolution. So I went into our Discord and said, is this a clip show this week? And they said, yes. So uh, the build is the build. So there we go. Isn't this uh, a terrible time to have a clip show? Uh, I would say yes. This is a terrible time to have a clip show while you're building to a pay-per-view and you're the first show under your new moniker and or new slash old moniker. Uh, they have gotten up to 1,197 tickets sold for the show. Uh, as of eight hours ago from WrestleTix. Uh, they set it up for 1400 uh, There's a couple tickets still left out there, so it looks like they are going to get pretty damn close to where they need to get to. But uh, that's, that's a good house for them. Yeah, that's not bad. And that's, that's a good house for them. For and sure. that's something they said that they wanted to do this year, was get more, you know, run bigger, newer venues. So um, a good start for them, I, I suppose. A good start. So the aforementioned Hammerstone will get a chance here against Josh Alexander. So maybe they have signed him and they just haven't announced it yet. Because he, he, you know, the goodbye speech in MLW was pretty, sounded pretty definitive to me. But uh, Alex Shelley defends against Moose, Trinity, and Jordan Grace. A lot of people think Jordan Grace is going to win that. Um, I was told, you know, that Trinity's final. She is going to be at the Orlando tapings though, so she's not done yet. She'll finish up at the Orlando tapings. So maybe she beats Jordan Grace and then loses at the tapings. But she's going to lose that title soon. She's Royal Rumble. She's showing up for the Royal Rumble for sure, right? You would think. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So, um, you know, look for a title change there. It seems like the best place to do it. That seems like who they want to do it. Saban, Kushida, and Vikingo, three-way for the X Division title. That looks like fun. Um, Ace Austin and Chris Bay versus Grizzled Young Vets versus Rascals versus Mike Bailey and Trent Seven. I don't need 19 people in the match. That's <laughs> Every Rascals match must it have just... <laughs> must have six other people in it. It just can't. Yeah. Whatever. Well, the, the women's the women's the women's match too for the number one contender. Like same thing. There's a million women in it. Alicia Edwards, Giselle Shaw, Zaya Brookside, Danny Luna, Tasha Steeles, and Jody Threat. Just that's an ultimate me... X match. Hold, whoa, hold on. Ultimate a minute. X with those. Oh, yeah, it's gonna be a mess. Woof. Woof. 
Good luck. Whoa. Alicia Alicia <laughs> Edwards scaling the fucking wire. Oh, boy. Zaya Brookside. Well, <laughs> Not exactly. Well, uh... yeah. Will Alicia Edwards even attempt to scale no. the wire? No. Hell no. I bet she won't. I bet she won't. Hell no. Um, you know, I don't know. See, this is what I mean. I would just take whoever they have planned to win, build a program against one of the other ones, and have a fucking singles match. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. It, or do this. But then don't do a four way for the tag. Like it's too many multi person matches on one show. Right. They, really they've, they've had that problem for for a, a long time too. Yeah, and, and then a three way for the X division too. It's like, God, I don't, I don't need a million people in every match. So yeah, Chris PCL Saban versus Vikingo sounds awesome. Like Chris Saban versus Vikingo. If I gave you that match, you would say that's kind yeah. of fun. All right, here we go. Oh, also Kushida's in the match. It's like ah, oh, fuck. All right. Yeah. Why? Fine. Why do we got to crowbar someone else into it? I don't. It's very frustrating. Uh, PC overs Dirty Dango. And then, uh, yeah, so that's the show. So that's uh, hard to kill. We'll talk about it next week. Now, the NWA, this paranoia show. Uh, Rich, tell people how they can order uh, NWA. So <laughs> the way you can order NWA Paranoia uh, is you get yourself to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and go to Revolution Live because it is an NWA, quote, signature live event. And that's it. It is not available on Fight. It's not available on Pay-Per-View. I think the only way you can watch this is if you uh, go to Revolution Live in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, January 13th. Buy a ticket. Buy a ticket yep. to see this 13-match uh, extravaganza oh. with seven title matches. Now, listen. Oh, God. I think NWA, <laughs> and maybe I'm out of loop because I don't pay a lot of attention to Twitter anymore. They quietly dropped Pay-Per-View. Has this been like talked about? Because um, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 weird. Evidence. So as you said, this is a signature live event, right? No way to order it. They're having their hard time show in February or March. I can't remember. I think it's March third or something. Uh, like I believe that. that's it's, right. March March second. March second for hard times. That's been one of their tent pole pay per view events. Hard times going back to the Lagana days. That is also, Rich, a signature live event, mm. not on pay-per-view, and it is also being advertised as a television taping for the CW. So I think what they are doing is they are out of the pay-per-view business, and they're replacing them with these signature live events, which then double as television tapings. Makes sense, yeah. Because I see the CW logo on the Paranoia uh, poster as well. Yes, and they're having, I believe, a second day of tapings in Fort Lauderdale, I think. But the hard time show is being advertised as come see the matches being taped for the CW. So they have moved away from pay-per-view, and they're so under the radar now that no one is talking about <laughs> Right, that's a pretty big story. And the fact that they're not even on fight, they're not on anything. They run... They're not on anything. Right. You know, I checked uh, Fight slash Triller today. Nothing there is on no, no. None, nothing on schedule. Not this, not hard times. They're off pay-per-view. And it seems as though it's permanent because hard times was this one. You could argue, all right, what the hell is this? But hard times has always been a pay-per-view. Yeah. Yeah. And if you remember last pay-per-view, they did 219 buys. So you're talking a couple thousand dollars and then you're splitting it. Maybe fight said, this isn't worth our time or production or money to do this for a couple thousand bucks because 
uh, Ian Hamilton in our in our Discord today noted that OVW used to have pay-per-views on Fight, and they don't have them anymore either. So maybe Fight is cutting the fat. Look, I don't know anything, but it's it, that could be the case. Maybe they're like these promotions that aren't drawing. It's not worth the bandwidth. It's not worth our time. I, I think it's not worth the. I think fight and in, in, in their in their relationship with the wrestling business is going to be very very interesting to monitor over the next couple of weeks and months. I can tell you from the back end of uh, uh, of certain things, certain things that they used to do uh, to entice wrestling websites to uh, help uh, promote pay per views is no longer mm-hmm. an option and no longer available. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, they used to work with the sites, including ours, very closely in terms of you know um, media passes to you know media codes to cover the shows you know which is obviously standard business mm-hmm. good business they haven't done that in a while right when's the last time they, they haven't given... done that with us in probably about a year or so and then they had an affiliate program where obviously if if you know people bought based off your codes or you know off your links or whatever we always said voices of wrestling.com slash fight or whatever uh that has been uh dis- deactivated as of this week now, does that mean they're going to a different affiliate program? Does that mean that just you know they're maybe reworking the terms or something like that? I don't know, but it's been a week and I you know haven't heard anything, so I don't know what's going on with Triller slash Fight slash whatever. But a lot less wrestling events on there. I'll, I'll definitely say if you look through their schedule. So I wonder if if like you said, they got down and looked at it and said, why are we wasting our time with these things that are getting less than a thousand buys? Like what what are we doing here? Let's let's focus on because Triller's businesses those big time dumb boxing, boxing shows yeah the, the the dumb like here's roy jones jr versus you know this guy and it's like okay all right you know what i mean it's just like these dumb boxing matches that are just at this point like all brothers and yeah, shit right like right 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 just these really weird stuff and i know that they're they're involved in sports a little bit as well so i i, I do wonder if maybe the the wrestling arm uh, of triller is starting to you know dissipate a little bit and, and this might be one of the first signs of it, but a uh, hard to kill is still on fight this weekend though. So that that's one that is still there, but yeah, as far as other ones, I don't know. Interesting to see. No. Yeah. Yeah. TNA is there. MLW is there, you know, and, and, and NWA has no presence. Now could, could that have been a condition of the CW deal? Because there's also this factor. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Now look, if, if CW is paying Corgan for exclusivity, Right. Or the deal is, all right, you could be on YouTube only and whatever the case may be. I'm sure that whatever they're paying him is more than what he was making selling 200 pay-per-views. You know what I mean? So that could be it, too. It could be either that Triller is getting out of the micro pay-per-view business or it could be that the CW has some kind of exclusivity deal because it appears as though these shows are being taped for matches for the CW. So... And if that's the case, that's a good deal for Corgan, you know, because he always talks about wanting to get off YouTube. His show is still on YouTube, but the CW app is going to give him less exposure than YouTube would. But the CW app may be paying him for the content, which then makes up for the lack of exposure. So, you know, we'll see. And then we'll see the reality show. We still don't know whether that's going to be on CW proper or the CW app. So, there's there's a lot of different things. The bottom line is this: they appear to be out of the pay per view business. That much we know. So, um, unfortunately, that means no more NWA pay per view reviews. I know, which I know that has you broken up. God damn it! But uh, 
You're full of shit. You hated. I'll it. make up. You, I, you know what? No, you know what? There was always something charming about NWA. I mean, I always, I always came out here like while I was watching it, I was like, "Kill me, this sucks." But then when it was over. I was like, "Ah, oh, there's, there's just." I always said, "There's nothing else like the NWA out there." I watch so much wrestling, and all of it feels the same and looks the same. And then there's the NWA. It's its own fucking universe. You know what I mean? And in, in 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 the be, in the best way and the worst ways. It's just it's its own thing. Let's check that CW app before we hear streaming on the CW. Let's see what they got up here. Sports. The old uh, sports-based NWA product. Yeah, Let's see yeah. what we got going here. Uh, remember when they were bragging about how their episodes getting uploaded to CW and we, we did a check-in and they'd only gotten up to September? Yeah. Ah, they're still in September. So <laughs> They haven't added anything. No, they haven't added anything. Not oh, wait, hold thing. on. Hold, well, hold on a minute. Hold on a stinking minute. October. They're up to October. Maybe that's where they were before. I think they were up to October before. So we'll see after Paranoia. If the Paranoia matches start getting uploaded immediately, then maybe this new deal has finally kicked in. And, um, you know, they've got some kind of exclusivity to the NWA matches. So I I don't know. I guess we'll find out, um, you know, next week. If, you know, these matches start popping up, what power is going to look like, number one. Mm Mm-hmm. And then if, if yeah, the right, CW right. and and maybe this paranoia show will be on the on the CW, but again, it's marketed as um what, what are they calling it? Premium uh, uh sorry, a signature live event. Signature, signature live, live event. event. Signature yes. live event, right. So I don't know. Gotta wait and see. This show's got a bunch of it. We, we, we don't have to go through the names. No, here. I'm not going. No, I refuse to go over Yeah, this it's not going to be on pay-per-view. We're not going to review it. The main event is EC3 versus Matt Cardona in the uh, NWA World's Heavyweight title. Quote, the ultimate match of death match. Okay. Great. Matt the Cardona can talk about being the hardcore king, Joe. I, 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 for one, cannot wait for the Matt Cardona promo where he talks about being the real king of the death matches. Be... I am so out on that guy. I'm bored <laughs> by him. Well, he's been doing the same gimmick for th- four years. How could you possibly be bored of this? Come on. Yeah, it's... Uh... Remember how unique it was at the time? Remember in, in 2020 when we were like, man, how cool is this Matt Cardona character? He's going out there in the indies. The idea is that he doesn't want to do a death match, and then he's getting, you know stuck in them and he's bleeding and all and we're like oh man we've been doing this for four years now <laughs> it's the same gimmick yeah. we heard yeah, you yeah it's very got it. too. Yeah. yeah it's very off-putting yeah but yeah 13 matches seven title matches you want to talk about too many titles in yeah the and it's just no thank you no thank yeah. you no thank you on that so I'm uh, uh virtually bro, virtual pirate pirate Paul. <laughs> no way. Are you kidding? Where is he? What's he no, called? Pirate Paul, yeah. He's not doing the pirate thing. He's virtual. Wait, I've not seen him. Swear Where to is God. he? Where is he here? Swear to God. He's on this show. He's wrestling <laughs> Silas Mason. <laughs> let me, hold, let me see. It's, it takes a while to scroll through this entire list of guys. Oh my god, that is Paul Virtual. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you haven't seen the clips? No. He just has like a shaved head and has okay. generic. Yeah, hey, when you he can just... bring in Paul Virtual and take away the pirate gimmick, you just gotta do it. Where did they find Birchall anyway? Yeah, what's, like, uh, hold on a minute. Let's, let me go on the cage match and see what Paul Birchall's been up to. Is he like the Stroh? Remember we got the Stroh some bookings after talking about him on the show? Yeah, I think he got. I think he's sick. I want to drop that topic. Oh, is he? No. I don't think he's. I don't think he's doing well. Ah, crap. Well, um, last I heard, anyway. No, we got him some. Um, uh, the Stroh. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the Stroh last. 
Oh, okay. Hold on here. Uh, a very wild ride for uh, the. Sh- uh, um, sorry, Birchill. 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 Uh, so Birchill worked two sh- uh, a shot for OVW in September of 2017, an eight man ladder match. Then he took a year off, came back in October of 2018 for OVW. Then in 2023, he faced Gangrel at WCPBTW. Rolls off the tongue. <laughs> okay. That sounds, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, world classic professional big time wrestling. You know, you know, the of course. WCPBTW, yes, just... of course. Now that you spelled out the acronym, right, yes, right, of right. course. Oh, of course. That's, yeah. that's world. A classic professional big time wrestling. Uh, so he faced Gangrel uh, in September of 2023, and then uh, in November of 2023, popped up to a team with Trevor Murdoch, take on Jack Stane and Tim Storm. So somebody called somebody and uh, and got Paul Burchill a booking. But uh, yeah, so he's wrestled exactly three times in the last five years, six, seven, eight, a lot of years. I don't know why Paul Burchill. No idea. No clue. Couldn't tell you, but well, you know. what, what did he do to get a title shot? You know, everyone's getting on on Tony about Hook. <laughs> no one's on Adam Billy for Paul Burchill getting a title shot out of. Oh my god, uh, Tony should tweet that. <laughs> now that'd be funny. I'll DM him. I'll DM him and, and mention it. So, right, Burchill looks pretty you good for his. Next. He looks pretty good though. He's like hey, a guy who's I mean, out of the wrestling know. business. He looks like healthy and. Yeah. Looks like he sleeps. Yeah, good for him. So that means it then. <laughs> well, buy a ticket to uh, <laughs> right. Paranoia. Get over to uh, Fort Lauderdale for the NWA Signature Live event, uh, January 13th from uh, Revolution Live. Uh, yeah, you get EC3 Macrodon and Birchill versus Silas Mason. So, all right, there you go. So that is uh, NWA Paranoia. We will never watch it because uh, I guess we'll maybe watch it on the CW, but I, I don't know. <laughs> If I'm committing myself to weekly watching, I don't know. You're never going to watch. I'm never going to watch it. Yeah, I could sit down and and after you forced me to watch an NWA pay per view, I don't know that I could sit down and watch weekly uh, NWA on the CW. But uh, hey, we'll see what happens. And that's uh, TNA Hard to Kill, obviously coming up this weekend. Battle in the Valley, a lot going on this weekend. A lot going on in the world of professional wrestling. We'll be covering it all at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Of course, also, if you want more bonus Joe and Rich, flagship Patreon.com, VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Patreon, Patreon.com slash VoicesOfWrestling, a brand new series uh, or episode of the uh, Bret Hart versus Owen Hart series. Um, Bret versus Owen coming up uh, hopefully next week or so. I should have that ready. Uh, I got a new written series I'm doing over there at uh, FlagshipPatreon.com called 4030-2010, going through uh, major wrestling moments to happen either 40 30 20 or 10 years ago this month uh did 40 years uh just a couple of days ago and that was hulk hogan defeating uh the iron sheik to win the wf title and you might think god i know a thousand things about that i don't want to learn anything more about it i think i go in some interesting directions about it and, and give you some good backstory that you might not know and i know a lot of people have already reached out saying holy shit i had no idea that he was that big of a star in the awa i had no idea that he was that big of a star in his first wf run i had no idea that he was in wf for only a you know, less than 30 days before he won the title the, the next time he came in. So uh, we try to attack it from a different angle there, but that's going on uh, there. Thursday Dynamite Reviews, November to Remember, all of our other bonus audio uh, available for you guys over there at flagshippatreon.com, patreon.com slash voices of wrestling and voices of wrestling.com slash patreon, including later this month, Royal Rumble Instant Reaction. So uh, if you want an instant reaction to Royal Rumble, immediately following the show, uh, it's going to be available for you. 
there at flagshippatreon.com. So that's it. Voicewrestling.com for all this stuff. Voicewrestling.com slash Discord if you want to join the conversation. YouTube, Voice Wrestling Podcast Network, all that other good stuff. That's it for us. We're way over time. So that is Joe. I'm Rich. We'll talk to you next time on the Flagship Podcast. Take care. Hey, kids, do you like wrestling? Well, we like wrestling, too. We are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Myself and Chris Novembrino kind of doing a lazy river of wrestling criticism, going through the news and whatever happened in stateside television wrestling. And also, you know what? Sometimes we just like to watch old stuff and talk about that, too. Love for you to give us a listen. If you haven't already, we are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu.